everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Saturday, April 25th, and this is episode 21 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassi, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Assault Masaki. How's it going, Josh? It's going so good, I can't even explain it. <laughs> okay, good to know. And the much slimmer Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? Hello, everybody. Wait. Welcome to Marty Called. It's like the Wakefield Report, only entertaining. Does that explain the echo, too? That's not very nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's like the Wakefield Report without vacuuming. That would have been at least funny and not hurtful. Without babies. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I can't make that promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang it. Emma sounds like a uh, frightened pterodactyl or a macaga loose in my house right now, which is uh, excited. So. But you're not near any pots and pans. Just because Correct. you can doesn't mean you should, Tim. <laughs> it's a uh, dinosaur so joke for you. Great start. <laughs> this is smooth. excellent pod. We haven't been doing shows every two weeks now. If you're wondering how we got one and a half stars on iTunes, this is how we pulled it off. So the plan this uh, this week was to do a listener question show, and uh, that's how we're going to kick it off. But we also have uh, more Jungle Cruise content with Ben that we'll do later on. We do crap. So, so uh, some of these listener questions go back months because <laughs> we we lose the password we or we just don't log into um, to martycall at gmail.com. But to, if you, to, be, to be fair, you don't log in because I don't think Josh and I have the password. Exactly. <laughs> We've all been really busy at the office is the, is the exactly, excuse. Exactly. Um, but if you do want us to uh, answer your listener questions, you can email us martycalled at gmail.com and a good Six to 12 years from now, we will answer them. Uh, our first one comes to us from God knows when, but uh, it was <laughs> Michael King uh, with the subject of listener questions. So uh, really nailing it right there. Uh, hey, I love the podcast and finally got to figure out a good question based on the secondary experiences at the end of episode 15. And no, we're not going to look back to see what episode 15 was about. We're just going to continue can you, reading. Exactly. Can, you just stop, can you just stop at the I love the podcast and go to the next one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite drop in, Michael. We like you too. Uh, what is that white whale non-attraction in the Disney parks? My family, it's the flag retreat. Uh, retreat. We finally hope to see it during Christmas time this year. We always look to do it once a trip, but we never got around to it. Oh, and it's homestarrunner.net. It's dot com. Uh, that's. Uh, are you familiar with that, Ben? Homestar. Oh yeah, hell yeah. That's, be, uh, uh, we 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 killed many a nights at Radio Disney watching that while we just put the uh, playlist on uh, self play. Uh, we we'll had to get into that one day of my time at Radio Disney and how we uh, did all that. But yes, we would we would just uh, put like six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs in a row with no uh, breaks for the DJ to come in, and we'd watch some Homestar Runner. <laughs> How in the the world does the guy that took 15 minutes to plug in his microphone have actual legit like radio experience? It's (laughs) sad, isn't it? It is sad. Josh, are you familiar with Homestar Runner? Not a clue. What is that? Is it It like Pornhub? (laughs) Just like Pornhub, in as much as it was on the internet. Strong Um, bad, strong bad. It was a uh, cartoon, probably PG-rated cartoon. Uh, Actually, some of the creators of it were involved with the Mickey Mouse shorts, the recent ones that inspired Mickey's Runaway, Runaway Railway. Um, but just kind Runaway of... Railway. Runaway Railway, uh, as Barbara Walters would say. And <laughs> it was it was just kind of a, a niche thing, probably uh, late 90s, early 2000s on, on the Googles. So Okay. It would actually that, probably be right up your alley. I think you'd probably find it very entertaining. That was sort of the... Uh peak of me being young, tall, and attractive, so I was not doing a lot of things like that at the time. Well, Ben and I, I weren't getting laid. This is I have plenty of time for that now, though. 
There you go. As a fat married guy, (laughs) clearly I'm not going to relate anymore. Michael's question because we just decided to talk about Homestar. That's right. We're we're parsing it out one word at a time. Yes. So Michael loves the podcast and uh, Homestar Runner. All right, moving on. Uh, I actually put some thought into this though. (laughs) Go for it. Well, no, I'm going to go last. I'm going to go. Obviously, people care most about mine, so I'll Uh, I'll bring up the. Okay, Ben. What about you? What was your kind of non uh, in park attraction at the Disney parks? My uh, not non attraction is kind of how he describes it, but yeah, it's it's a vague vague question. Yeah, I think I thought of it the wrong way completely. So never mind. Reading uh, your answer, and we'll grade you. And you go first. I don't <laughs> want to go first now. You go first. I wrote, I wrote Yeehaw Bob. Um, yeah, something I've never done. I've heard positive things about, um, and just we don't in general do a lot of resort hopping. Um, so isn't that the guy that used to play the piano before he died? Uh, he's, he's not dead. Oh, is Doing? he? Yes. <laughs> yes. The rumors of his death are greatly you're, exaggerated. You're thinking of Ray Charles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Yeehaw Bob. Uh, was it over at Port Orleans? Uh, ben, you've probably seen him. Yeah, Riverside. Are you sure he's not dead? There's a guy I he's need to literally did a performance this week. Yes. He's doing Facebook Live videos. <laughs> Who is the guy? And I know this isn't going to help, but we talked about him on Kingdom Confirmed from Josh. You are you thinking? <laughs> There's a guy that we talked about on Kingdom Cast, and I nick I nicknamed him Finger Bang Kazoo. Yeah, that's Kenny Rogers. You can't get it. No, that's false. Oh God, the worst timing joke I've ever made in my entire life. I feel You're, bad. I have no idea who you're talking about. The, old, the You're not referring to the greeter at the I'm, Grand Floridian, yeah, are you? I'm going to send Gary a message right now. <laughs> Was it the piano player at um, Casey's? I don't Macy's. know if he's alive or not. But. At where? It the, at Casey's Corner. I thought you said at Macy's. I'm like, what? Also at Macy's. I'm this sure it Macy's that has a piano player, and that guy is no longer with us. But No, it wasn't that guy. <laughs> Was it the piano think. player at the Country Bears? Because uh, Tom are saved them. They're, he's not dead. That's true. <laughs> Are you sure this wasn't a dream you had? <laughs> I'm not sure of anything anymore. We're throwing out the whole planner for this episode now so and just going to focus it. <laughs> so uh, I, did, I didn't think alive. I might not be able to do to see him anymore. I did think about this too, and it's hard, you know, uh, when when <laughs> making myself. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, Breeze. When you lived at the parks, like I did uh, working out there so much, you tend to have done you know anything that you thought was like uh, on a whim. Like, I've never done this before. Let me go do that now. Uh, you did that over and over again. And so there's very few things that uh, have stuck out that I never did. Like the one thing that I, I never got around to doing, though, uh, was the luau over at the Polynesian. Uh, something that, you can go ahead and skip that. Uh, I figure that. Uh, <laughs> And I actually, I think we did think about doing it one time, but we did that and hoopty doo, and I had never done hoopty doo either at that point. And so we did hoopty doo, and we loved hoopty doo so much that we went back like a few weeks later and did hoopty doo again instead of the luau. So uh, I would think it, it's it has to be resort based because I I was sitting there trying to think of like the one thing in any of the parks that I've never done, and that's just not uh, there. I it, done everything and done everything multiple times. I can't think of anything else uh, in that world, but resort wise, we, we would hit a lot of the stuff and a lot of the obscure stuff. We would see Yeehaw Bob back when he was alive quite often. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I got to go with the luau and, and uh, that's, that's gotta be my white well. Hoopty do is a good one as well. We did that a lot when I was a kid. Um, Most of our uh, 
trips when I was younger were around Thanksgiving, which is around my birthday, and they would call people up for your birthday. So I was I don't know, three or four years old. They called me up, and I had no shame and wanted to do a somersault. So I got to do a somersault as part of the Hoopty Doo show. And there's pictures of me doing that on like my fourth birthday. I uh, found a picture of me that I got called up myself and and had to put on a little Indian headdress and do a dance. And uh, there's a nice Polaroid picture of that. So uh, maybe I'll I'll upload that for the show notes. Show notes. To, there uh, we go. Yep. Josh, is your answer the perfectly princess tea at Transfloridian? Uh, <laughs> Damn it! You looked at the show notes. That doesn't count. <laughs> No, for me, I I, I don't know that I have one now, but as a kid, it was definitely riding in the front of the monorail. And, um, you know, I I, I never got to do it. So that was kind of a bummer. I always said that my retirement job, my dream retirement job would be to be a monorail pilot at Disney. And uh, Ron took it and ruined it for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was it for me. I would say, and I, I will admit to Ben, I initially read the question wrong as well. Um, I just sort of skimmed over it and said, what's my favorite, like non-attraction attraction. Mm-hmm. And, and this is sort of a degenerate answer, but for me, the thing that I really, I really liked doing when I was an AP holder and I was local to the area and had a, a very blessed job where I got paid a lot of money to do relatively little and I could pretty much not do it from wherever I wanted. So I would go on property a lot, uh, as I just go hang out at the way for a couple of hours and watch people. Okay. That was sort of my, cause it was sort of a. I love people watching in the parks. It's sort of weird because it's kind of frenetic and people, you know, it's really at the end of the day, it's a theme park. Hey, uh, Derek, can you pronounce frenetic, please? (laughs) Do do you guys remember, was it men at work where where the guy was like a phrenologist or something where he said it was what that meant was reading the lumps on people's head. (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, some of the resort bars are interesting because you can, you get a very interesting cross section of people there. Like, you know, the dads who you could tell just the wife's watching the kids and they're just looking to drink away the stress. And then there's the, uh, you know, the conference people that are there that, that are not there with their families. And my, one of my favorite things in the world is that if I was there for a few days in a row, I'd see people get there on like the first day of a conference and, you know, they're all meeting and greeting and interacting. And like by day three, they're just sitting at the bar drinking, you know, ignoring <laughs> everyone else. It's just sort of interesting to watch how people unwind. I think the nature of this question, though, is, yes, it's which ones haven't we done, but they're also just identifying those hidden gems or things that people don't necessarily go out of their way to do. And one of the ones that was introduced recently that I really enjoyed and I think a lot of people should do is that virtual reality thing over at Disney Springs. Um, Josh, I don't believe you've done it. Ben, have you had an opportunity to do it? Not at Disney Springs. I've done it in Vegas and it's fantastic. Yeah, it really is a ton of fun. Um, and I believe right now in Florida, the themes are still Star Wars and Wreck-It Ralph. Out in California, they have a Marvel one as well. But any of those VR experiences, if you've ever had the opportunity to do them, it's a totally unique experience and uh, a ton of fun. And really not super expensive. I think it was like 25 30 bucks at uh, Disney Springs to do it. Uh, but in general, my answer to something like this is resort-related, kind of like Ben, where we don't do enough resort hopping, and there's some great things at the resorts. Well, and I would say if we wanted to go kind of on Josh's spin on it, my favorite uh, attraction, non-attraction type deal. Uh, and granted, this one hits hard because uh, they just had their contract uh, terminated at Epcot. But back when I worked there and through all the trips leading up to my most recent one, uh, the British Revolution Beatles tribute band, and then the B- British uh, invasion that had taken over after them. I could, I tell you, I, I could just buy a beer over at Rosen Crown and sit and watch show after show after show. And I did that back when 
when I lived there and worked there, when I could take an entire day at Epcot just drinking beer and sitting on a park bench and not feel like I had to go do any rides or anything because I had the luxury of time, uh, I could just sit there and just take that in. One, it was just having that experience of being inside Epcot, being in the park and just su- you know sucking all of that energy in. But then I thought the entertainment was very good as well. And they're not alone. Any of that entertainment around World Showcase, uh, you know, a lot of it's gone at this point. There were a lot of contracts that weren't renewed here recently. It'll be interesting what they do when the parks are back up and running again, if they replace any of those acts like they tend to usually do when they have some turnover in there. They've been pretty good uh, about keeping it at least culturally relevant with those types of acts, but there's been some long-running ones um, that have been gone. If you get busy, caught up wanting to do ride after ride after ride, you'll skip those acts uh, yeah. easily. And yep. the best thing I can do is to say, slow down in the world showcase area and, and take all those in and, and appreciate them. Cause a lot of those acts do come from those countries that they're from. Uh, the, the German band and the yodeler, uh, near their beer garden is a fantastic little setup. Uh, get yourself a nice German beer, get you a table and, and watch a really entertaining act for 20 minutes. Yep. And, uh, it lets you slow down and just appreciate what that park, you know, was really meant to be when it was built. I, I almost think that there's a, there's a strategy that you can take. And I, I base this, I had this friend, Brandon, when I was a young pilot, and this guy got more chicks than anyone you can ever imagine. I mean, like notoriously so. And at one point, one of my friends asked him what his secret was. And he goes, you know, most people come to this, come to a bar or a club, and they're like, they want to get a girl to say yes to whatever it is they want to do. He's like, I walk in there and I try to get rejected by as many people as I can. And eventually, invariably, someone says yes, and I have this awesome experience. And I feel like with Disney, there's these, you know, this whole concept of the, you know, A through E tickets pervades to this day, even though we don't have the ticket system. And it, it's natural when you go there to want to hit these big ticket items. It's, it's like you have to do them, right? I mean, even in the... They the assigned Resort, the value to it with the FastPass Plus proposition. Yep, yep. And if you look at the, you know, even the Stacey J videos, you know, there's the must-dos, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if you've got, you know, particularly if you're adults and traveling without kids, I think this is a lot easier, I suspect. Um, you know, if you've got a multi-day trip, take a day where you just, you intentionally decide that you are not going to do any of those must do's, you know, just, just eliminate them from the list of things that are even on your agenda. Um, because that sort of bumps you down immediately to the, to the overlooked gems that are in the parks, because there it's, there's sort of an irony to Disney, which is there's so many layers to it. There's so many different tiers of experiences that you can have. And it's just human nature to gravitate toward the ones that were, you know, these multi-hundred million dollar attractions that were designed to grab your attention. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the uh, you know, opportunity cost of doing that is that you miss some of these more subtle things. And I think the only real way to get them all, maybe there's no way to get them all, but, but I think a great way to get a lot of them is just to say, look, I'm not going to go do the big things. I'm just going to go wander around and stumble onto whatever I can find. You phrased it perfectly there. Are you guys apt Thank to you. just stumble upon them, or do you seek out the schedule for some of these performances? I'm a stumbler. Ben, same I, question. Uh, for my favorites, I know exactly what time those are and when they start. But yes, I do like to. Some of my best experiences have just been stumbling on them, uh, walking through. Uh, and they don't do it as much now. Uh, I, actually, I'm not even sure if they do it at all now. But this was back uh, also when like the boardwalk first opened and they had acts that were out along the boardwalk. We yeah. used to take our walks through there as well and just find random magicians and jugglers and things that aren't advertised anywhere uh, that we would fall in love with. And they would become traditions on future vacations. Yep. I think, you know, to some degree, your favorites are the enemy of the undiscovered. Um, 
And I, I definitely agree with you that the boardwalk area was great. It was just, yeah. it just had this sort of organic feel to it, even though it wasn't, you know, it was obviously, you know, tremendously planned and, uh, you know, but it just seemed, you know, the best equation I can give is like maybe San Francisco or San Diego, like the gaslight district or the yeah. probably closer to that than, than San Francisco where you have the freak shows and stuff, but it's just sort of this, uh, you know, hodgepodge of avant-garde stuff. And it, it's cool. You know, you could just go out there and, and have a drink and hang out. It's a lot more relaxed than being in the actual parks. Uh, and you don't have the stress that comes with, uh, you know, trying to hit all of these e-ticket attractions, which by the way, Disney right. made a million times worse with the whole fast pass plus thing. But you know, <laughs> that's been something we've, we've talked about ad nauseum, but I think this is sort of the, the to some degree, this is the antidote of that. It's just saying, look, this is an interesting environment. Let me, let me just exist here and let the environment act on me and drive me to where I'm going to go instead of having this, uh, you know, programmed agenda that I'm going to try and follow perfectly. Yeah. You know, I think one of the underappreciated ways of touring, especially Epcot is the forget your guide map, forget your app. I always like the, why is that group of people gathered over there mm-hmm. and what wander over there and find out. And cause, cause, and then you hit the next country. Why are those people gathered over in that spot? And it's because this thing's happening over there. That thing's happening over there. Uh, and it's a way for you to s- discover everything. And like you said, without having that planned out, and it just takes that, uh, I don't know, just so there's more magic to it when, when you think that you're finding something that nobody else knows about. And if it's, if it's not just blatantly put in your face, you do feel that, have that feeling of discovery Boy, uh, going I, through there. I, I, I hope if management ever listens to anything that's ever been said on a show I've been on, that's what you just said, because to, to, and maybe that's the perfect distillation of what I've been trying for two and a half years to, to get out of my (laughs) mouth. But, you know, Disney had, you know, has historically had this magical sense to it. And certainly they've embraced that as a marketing point. Um, But so much of that is dependent upon serendipity and randomness and, uh, um, it almost feels like we've gone in the opposite direction. And maybe this whole Corona thing is a chance to, you know, control, alt, delete that and, and go back to, to the roots. Maybe, maybe what they needed was plausible deniability to change the way things were being done. It's not going to go that way. Cause I just pulled up the app. <laughs> I just, I just, I, love, I just pulled up the app. And, well, yeah. Uh, the jammeters are now on the fast pass plus or uh, tier two. <laughs> at Epcot, so that's awesome. The, um, expectations, and we've talked about this, help control these sorts of things. So uh, I'm sure that if you look at touring plans ratings for a lot of the entertainment offerings, that if you're going to assign a ticket to them, are probably only a ticket, uh, diversion, uh, diversionary experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, when you stumble upon something like that, your expectations are generally low, and that helps have a higher guest satisfaction rating. Absolutely. Like this. Absolutely. And when when you go into something that perhaps is tied to a movie that you like and it doesn't necessarily hit the, the beats of the movie that you want, uh, th- those when you, when you set something up to be an e-ticket attraction, you are often setting it up for failure. And other, other times, like Rise of the Resistance, it hits every mark and exceeds your expectations as high as they might have been even going into it. But when right. you're stumbling onto something and it's good, then it helps that much more. And it really can oftentimes be the best part of the day, the thing that you remember. And we've said this uh, a handful of times here that we're not going to remember the 50th time on Pirates of the Caribbean. But if a cast member goes out of their way to do something unique for you or if you have a unique experience in a show, those are the things you're more apt to remember. 
you know, yep. so without a doubt, not a you knock know, on any of the rides that we all love, but these things know, have places too. If you think back to your childhood, you know, forget about Disney or any amusement park or theme park for that matter. You know, it's always amazing to me. I have very splintered memories of my childhood and I think I was pretty lucky. You know, I was never abused. I never had any really traumatic events as far as I can remember, although maybe that's because they were super traumatic. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's not necessarily the case that there's any correlation whatsoever between the grandeur and the budget of what happened to you and what you remember. So I think to some degree, it's great. We're experiencing that now in in quarantine as people are trying to entertain their kids with Mm -hmm. the resources in their house. Yeah. So, you know, certainly there's an expectation that e-ticket attractions that cost hundreds of million dollars are what are going to draw people to the park. And I think that's a reasonable expectation. But in terms of what leaves the impression, I don't know that that really follows. You know, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, there's not necessarily any relationship between how, you know, technologically advanced a ride is or how, you know, true it is to, to the movie or whatever as to what, it, what touches people. And, you know, this goes back to that whole charm thing. I mean, there's, there's something innately about Disney that touches the human experience and connects with people in a way that lasts. And I don't know that that has much to do with animatronics or anything. It's just, it, it's being in tune with the human condition. And um, a lot of these little small experiences that don't cost much and are not even a blip on the radar and don't make it onto Stacey J's agenda. I don't think she's there anymore, but whatever. Um, you know, those are the things that, that resonate with people. And it's, hey, it's a shame that a lot of people don't ever get to see them. Hey, Josh. Yes point on this mickey doll where the bad man touched you. <laughs> <laughs> um i actually added to mine and this goes uh, very much no no addies no addies josh's uh saying things that don't cost anything uh the lightsaber experience at sabi's workshop um because <laughs> i don't want to spend 200 bucks to do it but i would like to uh to, to see it and yes it's it's a bit of the fabricated magic but that's also what they do sure. and it's it's in line with the with the wand show in some way shape or form and i just i don't really want to spend 200 dollars for a lightsaber but i would love well, to see the, the experience the days of affording a 200 dollar lightsaber are probably over so they'll probably just let you in now and yeah. I get 12 of them with my nobody's check. <laughs> i don't think does that math check i think so I think you're spending I mean, your, as well. You're, I was gonna say you're spending your wife's money. Yeah, don't tell her. <laughs> I'm the accountant. I, I handle the finance. I'm not what. <laughs> I'm not sure if we got anywhere close to answering Michael's question, but at least we read it and we can delete it now. So right, exactly. So that's the point, uh, Michael. If you're not happy with that answer, send us another question. We'll get to it another ride. I actually <laughs> think we did a phenomenal job of answering Michael's question. Uh, our next one comes to us from Bruce McClintock. If that's butchered, sorry. That sounds like a porn name. I'm just saying. That was like a seventies TV show, wasn't it? McClintock. Oh, I think, I'm thinking McClintock. My bad. <laughs> well, there, I'm sure he welcomes that as his nickname. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> if I ever uh, meet I, you, I guys, that's who you are. The uploads. You see what he did there? Because I say thank you for yeah, the download. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a play on that. Uh, anyway, little data transfer joke for you. <laughs> Stop at the compliment. Next. <laughs> ever, since they were, ever since they were announced, I've struggled with the themes of the new Epcot neighborhoods. Yeah. First, the positive world nature makes sense with the seas, the land, and the Moana area. In fact, it might actually be a thematic improvement in this area. World Except for the word world. 
World Discovery is fine for the other side, although a space theme seems to be a more obvious choice with Guardians. Right, let's pause. Space. Let's pause. Okay. All right. What does the word world mean? Universal? I don't know. No. What does the word world mean? In the whole world, you're talking about the U.S. Or, or, sorry. Whoops. Yes, you are. <laughs> USA. USA. Sorry. USA. 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 That was a little more <laughs> nationalist than I meant it to sound. But, you know, normally the world means the Earth, right? So yep. what the fuck does world space mean? It's an inherent contradiction. I don't think the world world belongs in any of these. That, that So I, I, I understand what Bruce is saying. Certainly mm-hmm. the nature makes sense, right? Because it is an area that's dedicated to nature. The seas, the land, I get it. Yep. But the word world being in here is primarily injected in there because we had future world and world showcase. But right. in terms of actual relevance, in this in this iteration, it makes no sense at all. That world should that word should be struck. Okay. Objection. So <laughs> we'll, let's just call it nature and discovery and motion to strike. Okay. So then we have test track could easily be changed to prototype testing of say an exoplanet rover and I space like exploration always feels futuristic. At yep. least this preserves a bit of the future world theme. Here's where they lose me. They put spaceship Earth, the new festival festival pavilion, the Odyssey, and imagination together under a celebration theme. It yeah. seems like they got close in the first two areas and just lumped the leftovers together into a vague, muddled theme. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the problem with this guy's question. He's exactly correct. Like, what do you right? say? Like, yes, this doesn't make uh, any sense. Your observations are right. Uh, I am also confused. I have no ability whatsoever to try and reconcile this or make it make any sense. It was a bad choice, and Bruce is right. Other than the festival pavilion, how do the rest fit? Now, what's good here is that if anything is going to be cut, it's that entertainment that is going to make this area a celebration. Uh, so what are they going to name a, it? Are they yeah. going to change the name? I, I actually have suggestions for that. But anyway. Uh, world redacted. We've got nine more paragraphs in Bruce's question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this does not make me feel like celebrating. So what about theming the core area like of the park around community and calling it Communicore? Uh, I've never heard of that word before. Storytelling in Spaceship Earth is often a communal experience, just like festivals. And doesn't a community theme have more potential to play off the global community theme of World Showcase? What if they change it to Community Core in order to move away from communication, provide an homage to what it used to be, and uh, you know expand it to the concept of community as whole and not just the concept of communication? All right, send the check to Josh Fenton, payable. uh, (laughs) Yes. Red Which Bubble. leaves the schizophrenic odyssey and the neglected imagination pavilion. Neither belongs in any of the proposed neighborhoods, although imagination seems to be a natural fit for some type of experimental prototype experience. Perhaps these should be unincorporated from other lands. At least the taxes will be lower. Looking forward <laughs> to your discussion, Bruce. I like this guy. I don't know who yeah. he is, but... <laughs> McClintcock. a new nickname. McClintcock <laughs> is our favorite listener. <laughs> um... We talked about this following the D23 Expo, that we weren't enamored with the names themselves, but I think we like the idea of establishing something, uh, like some sort of pathway for it, uh, for the future of Epcot. And that was kind of our takeaway from the D23 Expo, that we've set up a framework for where the front half of Epcot will go in the future. We don't necessarily have to love the names, but we at least like that there's some level of organization, albeit his points on the celebration theme are 100% spot on because it is absolutely, uh, what did he say, a vague, muddled theme. It's the leftovers. It's the Hollywood studios of the future world areas where it's just a collection of Ugh, disjointed that's a sad, attractions. That's a sad and accurate statement. <laughs> 
Um, for me, I always liked, I always thought Future World represented discovery more than futurism. And I know discovery mm-hmm. is a pretty vague term as well, but I would have been on board with them using discovery as the anchor word to describe the entirety of Future World if they were to rename it. Um, so I don't really oppose discovery being the name for part of it. Um, what I would have suggested, because if we're going for like a combined area that is not going to really have a cohesive theme with Spaceship Earth, the Odyssey, the Festival Pavilion, and Imagination, why not live up to the um, Permanent World's Fair? Uh, either call it World's Fair, call it World Expo, some variation of that would be uh, more in line with being true to Epcot. If, it's, if we're going to stick with words that don't mean anything, at least have it be some tie to it. And I think the logic of uh, uh, communication as well, as he suggested, is in that line as well. But but why? <laughs> Let's reject the notion that using words that don't mean anything is okay. Um, <laughs> because it's not. And I, and I think that that's, it, you know, I'm putting words in Bruce's mouth here, and that's not really what I mean to do, but I've kind of got to because we don't have him here to talk to. But, <laughs> but I think that's the problem, is that they needed to call it something. They couldn't figure... The, the problem is not the word that they chose, The problem is that the word that they chose reveals that their vision for this area of the park is at best unclear and probably non-existent. So (laughs) if we, and and maybe sometimes that's the case. And I suppose that sometimes when you are trying to uh, envision the future and you're trying to create something new that you don't always know how it's going to work out. So I'll even give them some latitude to say that it's, it's forgivable Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to create something new to not know exactly what it's going to be. Sometimes when you build things, you sort of, start to appreciate the vision for it as you build it, right? Uh, Anyone who's ever made anything, whether, you know, if it's a model railroad or whatever, you know, you sort of have a vague idea and you you sort of work and then the the vision for the finished product becomes more clear as you create. I think that's okay. The problem I have here is that they chose sort of these narrow terms to try and sell to the world that they had this all figured out when clearly they don't. And it's that misrepresentation of their of the completeness of their thinking that I think is transparent and problematic. Um, what I would have called this thing, I think, since what they're trying to do is figure out and come up with what it's supposed to be, since the imagination pavilion is a part of it, why not call it world imagination? Because that's more broad than discovery. Discovery, uh, you know, connotes some you know, objective scientific sort of thing where you're figuring out things that exist in the natural world. Whereas imagination is more broad and it says, you know, we're trying to come up with new things and we're open to, you know, ideas that we haven't had yet. So to me, that would have been at least, first of all, more compatible with the pavilions that are already there and more flexible in terms of allowing them to make changes to the park in the future, which don't collide directly with their nomenclature, which is a problem that they've had. I mean, it seems to me that one of the problems they're trying to solve is they need to deliver a product now, but they also ideally want to deliver something that has enough room for expansion in it so that they can incorporate ideas that they have in the future without breaking the theme. That's the perpetual problem, too. That is their perpetual problem. And it seems to me, why pick narrow terminology for a land if that's your problem? I think they they pick broad terminology so that they can say, all right, if we say nature, then any movie that can be tied to nature fits. (laughs) I agree with you, but I don't think, but nature is the one that none of us had a problem with. But I think I, actually, this... I do have a problem with nature. Not that. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> I'll the reason why I have a problem with with nature is that it's an it's an identical theme to the animal kingdom. So the oh. 
the question on differentiation. No, between, it's not. Nature is broader than animals. But the, the, animal kingdom's, the animal kingdom's theme is not just animals. The animal kingdom's is that nature, the big theme for the animal kingdom is that nature is in control. If you look at various areas of that park, they've let nature take over. That's why Pandora fits in so well. That's why they've given the distressed look to the buildings in Africa and Asia. Um, but but what you're describing, some if you were to Venn diagram the Disney parks, there's going to be some overlap, right? If you have Tomorrowland right. and Magic Kingdom, you have future, whatever the fuck it is in Epcot now. You know, there's similarities <laughs> there to the point where, honestly, some of those attractions could be shuffled back and forth uh, between them. And I think you've been the one that suggested that moving the Carousel of Progress to Epcot would make some sense. Right. And, and likewise, yes, the land and the seas. And so they do with most of the attractions that are going to be in world nature. But if you're going to be a company that opens multiple gates, I don't think you can limit yourself to having no overlap between the thematic, you know, thread that runs between them. Like, what are (laughs) what are ideas that are so the gist of this show has been arguing that shit doesn't belong in Epcot because it's it's like (laughs) this is a Fantasyland attraction. This is, but I don't. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to take a uh, here's a succinct argument to what you just said. There's a difference between putting something in a place where it doesn't belong. And okay, having two parks that have a land where something could fit in either place. And because the, Epcot and so Future World and Tomorrowland have yet to establish a distinction. And that was something that we asked for. I agree. And I think that that's an easy distinction to make because Tomorrowland could be – Tomorrowland opens itself to more fanciful types of attractions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ones that are there are a relatively good example from it. If you exclude Carousel of Progress, which you've tried to do, which I think makes sense, uh, Space Mountain to a lesser degree because the theming there is relatively thin. Uh, but if you look at things like um, you know, Stitch's Great Escape, Escape, for example, and I've made this point before, we use the word science fiction you know, colloquially in a very loose way. Mm-hmm. Most science fiction doesn't have much science in it. I view Epcot as being science fiction and being and Tomorrowland being fictional science, and I think okay. you know where you put the bias there should determine where those attractions go, which would also support your moving of you know COP over to Epcot. Yeah, and I and to that argument, I I think when we were trying to define what's Tomorrowland, what's Future World, I think we looked at Tomorrowland is probably better suited for the IP based futurism rides. Um, so. Yeah, Tron. I, I I think Tron for for whatever it is, some people wanted to see it in Epcot. I think it's a better fit in the Magic Kingdom, but so too would then Guardians be a better fit in the Magic Kingdom. And then conversely, I would argue that Space Mountain would be a better fit in. Uh, I in, would in, in Epcot. World. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I think the litmus test, if I had to come up with one, it's I would ask this: if you're going to take any franchise or any you know idea. Is the most predominant thing in it a character or a technology? You know, or okay. a and you, you you know in Tron the characters are what drove that. The 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 setting was technology, but if you look at Spaceship Earth, the technology is the star. The characters are the supporting actors that bring that to life. So there there clearly is a difference, and the the problem is that the clarity of it has primarily been obscured by Disney's relatively lackadaisical, uh, you know. Uh, effort to keep them separate. They, they've muddied their own story for no apparent good reason. So are you, uh, and I'll ask this to Ben first, I think we're, we're all not necessarily against the idea of renaming Future World, but I think the names that they chose are 
problems in some way, shape, or form? Is it just the word world that we're opposing? Is it the lack of the word of? Like if it was world of nature, world of discovery, world of celebration, would we be okay with that? Where is the true opposition to this? Ben, if it was. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I fall asleep every time you guys start arguing over <laughs> Epcot. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Check his pulse. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to throw this out there. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question first. And I actually, what you just said with the world of having of in there, I personally like that better mm-hmm. uh, as a as opposed to the names that they put out there. Uh, frankly, I think five years from now, though, we'll still just be calling this area Future World because Probably. all this stuff's going to get scrapped with the uh, current state of what's going on, and they're just going to figure out a way to salvage the construction that they've already started on and uh, probably leave things as is. But Pers- if I had that to make a, a choice, possibility. I, 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 uh, 99% positive. That's, that's what we're going to be talking about five years from now on this show. No way. We're what if we that call far, it Hyperion Wharf? Hyper- <laughs> <laughs> Breaking confirmed. Um, <laughs> Hyperion world. <laughs> I like the, Hyperion uh, the, of the, world. <laughs> the, the, the re the reformatting of how you, uh, use world and putting of in there, I think makes a lot more sense for me. Uh, than, than what they put out there to me it's honestly just confusing as hell I don't I don't understand the a lot of the meaning or, or the reasoning behind the changes that they announced uh none of it just if, if it doesn't click in my head and go oh that makes sense and we sit here and can debate it as much as we have on this show uh in the in the months since that announcement it just kind of uh leads me to believe that it wasn't a a, a good choice to begin with so uh, but I do think we'll just be calling it future world in the next future. It's. I mean, I, the reason I, they go? did it is because of World Showcase. They wanted to. Tra- yeah. Have okay. Parallel. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, can, but it's can, also like, I, I don't know if you guys agree with this. Showcase can be used as both a noun and a verb. And yeah. I think where it works, and now we're getting in deep into this is the, the grammar portion of the show. Um, <laughs> it's so funny you said that because my literal thing that I was going to go after Ben said was like the etymology of why world is there because it matters because there's a historical reason it's there. And I don't want to interrupt you, so go, go ahead. But but I think so, you're on the right track. So so my understanding grammatically of world showcase is that showcase is a verb and that is a showcase of the world in this yeah. aspect. Now, what they're doing... I actually with, think it's a noun, but okay. With, well, with, with nature, celebration, and discovery, I think those are all nouns. So, I, I mean, it, it, either way, <laughs> a, a type of word or not, World <laughs> Showcase, perhaps because it's been ingrained in us for 40 years, uh, makes more sense than world paired with discovery nature celebration i still call hollywood studios mgm half the time so whatever they decide to name it i'm gonna be calling it future world all right so i think it's worth taking a a two or three minute detour back to why this park originally had world showcase and future world uh and i this is a diatribe i've gone down on other shows but but it's so appropriate here that i can't i can't control myself from doing it again josh one second before you go down there this is the drinking game portion of the show everybody with your alcohol if josh says a word that you don't know the definition for right off the bat take a shot so go i'm ready all right well my goal is to prevent anyone from getting drunk on this i will try to use small words some might say i will be monosyllabic in my explanation that was a joke that was a a joke okay um 
There's the famous story. Syllabic, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) There's the famous story about the two parks that ultimately became Epcot. There was the futuristic part, and there was the world part. And at least if legend is to be you know, believed Marty Sklar- anytime. Oh, you said Marty, you got a drink. Marty's Marty some other hack, push <laughs> these two halves of the model together. And then that became Epcot. And if you look at world showcase, Marty called f- once Epcot, you know, future world and world showcase, the, the world part was the connector, right? That was mm-hmm. the overlap. And yeah. it, it was the way that, that the designers of Epcot, when they imagined it originally, glued these two ideas together. And I think it's important it's important to look at the words, but it's also to to look beyond the words because there's two distinct parts there. In the future world part, the, the whole thing is about community. In both instances, community is the thing that ties them together. It's this idea that look, no matter how far apart we are geographically, and you should know the word geographically, so don't drink. Right? <laughs> no matter how far geographically we are apart, there are common things that unite us and tie us together. You can't argue that as being part of the glue that held it all together. Illuminations was a big part of that, which is I think why it's a loss that it's gone. Right? And future world was this idea that collectively together we could build this world that was, you know, an improvement for everyone. And again, it's this idea that we do that together. The descent scene in Spaceship Earth originally with what, you know, I think most people call the Skype scene, this idea of traversing, it's using technology to traverse great distances, right? The boy and the girl that are dating, even though they're on other sides of the world. It's this idea that technology can shrink the earth. It was all about community. That was the thing. It was about finding the shared experience that people had and helping us, everyone from all over the world that came there, to understand no matter how different people were from other places, that they were, that they shared a lot in common. And to help people understand that no matter how far in the future we go, that we get there by collectively working together to make things better. I mean, that theme was so clear. And so my objection to try and get down to the actual question you ask, my objection to the terminology that they're using now is that what does it mean? It's like they're using the word world because it was shared both in future world and world showcase. But now... Why is it being used? It's like just because it was used before. And it's just words don't mean anything in and of themselves. You know, there's this old joke that, you know, that sounds like a made up word. And the other, maybe it was Mitch Hedgeberg, Hedgeberg, I don't know. But, you know, like all words are made up. The reason that yes. words mean anything to any of us is because we have learned that they have a meaning. Those are Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I would never know. Uh, So, you know, the problem with the, it's like they're picking words that they think people want to hear associated with these lands. Sorry, Avengers Infinity War, but it was spoken by Rocket. I have the attention span of a retarded goldfish. You're going to have to go easy on me. Tim made a Marvel reference shot. One one of the things that I tell my class when I, when I try to teach them how to write competently, which is very hard to do in modern times because it's a lost art is that, you know, the best that writing can ever do is not screw up the idea that you originally had writing and communicating can never make your idea better. It's always just a way of sharing the idea. So the, the, the proper way to write or to speak is always to start with a good idea. And to me, when I look at the nomenclature, the names, the words that, that, that they're using for Epcot in the future, it's like they focused on the words. They're trying to put cool labels on things, but they skipped the part where they figured out what the message was. Because if you figure out what the message is, and then you figure out the right way to communicate it, 
you have at least a chance of success. But when you skip the part where you come up with a good idea and you just try and label it in a way that you think people are going to like, it's hollow. And Mm -hmm. it might superficially seem fine, but anyone who takes just a minute to think about it and try and figure out what it means is going to realize that there's just, it just, it's just empty. And that's the problem is that the original Epcot was so rich. It was so full. There was so much depth and significance behind what was there. And even though I do have optimism for what's happening, and I think the changes, I'm just going to dismiss the fact that they probably won't happen because of Corona. (laughs) Um, At least there's an attempt being made and I do appreciate that. But I think there's been such a, they're just so far away from having a, a principal core idea that they passionately believe in and explaining it, that they're, they'll never do anything great until they start with a great idea and believe in it and just trust that the marketing aspects of it will work itself out. Ben, if I were to read a quote from a movie right now, what would that quote be? Oh, geez, I have no idea. I was going... Uh, uh, the Alamo Black doesn't Pan- have a basement. No. <laughs> <laughs> the stars at night. <laughs> Thank you, Huey. No, I was doing something that I've quoted on here a number of times, and that's Black Panther's speech to the UN. Um, How was I supposed Black to know Pan- that? Because I've mentioned it seven times, and I know you knew okay. normally two me. <laughs> but this is something that, maybe not necessarily the entirety of it, because there's a little bit of clapback and uh, Donald Trump in it, but... Uh, it starts out with, we will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on, the th- on, on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth more connects us than separates us. That's all uh, I was going to say. It is pretty much uh, on point with what I think the collective listeners on this show, the collective people on the show, want a theme for Epcot to be. That it is about Absolutely. unity. And it's something that Yes, the source of it would be a Marvel movie, but if they if they came out and said we're redoing Epcot's dedication plaque and here it is, uh, and those with the words on it, I think we'd all be a hundred percent on board. Um, I, I agree, it, and I, I think that if they adopted that as being the central theme of what the place was about, all of these yeah. other decisions would become a lot easier. Yeah, they would just fall in line. There, you look back to what the dedication plaque says what the new theme of the park is and as long as everything ties back to that be it original concept be it an ip then it works yep i, I, I agree 100 percent. i was gonna say another <clears throat> marvel uh, quote is what you were gonna get where you know we're redoing all of epcot what did it cost everything <laughs> everything <laughs> everything <laughs> um i think there is a bit with this with this naming structure where they just got cute and agreed rather than trying to have it be the 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 goal of what they wanted to be like where they wanted to hatch it up future world into these divisions they were just trying to get cute and that's where you get something like celebration in there because they didn't have an answer for it um right there are times where that's that's clever and they they deal with puns and acronyms like the society of explorers and adventurers which i think we uh it all thought was a possibility for some connective tissue in uh, in the future of Epcot, um, and Epcot itself is obviously an acronym as well. They could have gone that route as well, but uh, if it's just an acronym for the sake of being cute, or word structure, uh, naming structure for the sake of being cute, then it doesn't satisfy the thematic goal. So, yep. Um, I mean, in, in, in I, a I way, the, the worse the world gets. 
and I, I don't want to go political here, but but <laughs> I let's it, it, as neutrally as I can. Let's say that I think that unity is probably a theme uh, that's more important now than it's ever been in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and it seems that that is an environment that lends itself to Epcot. It's it, it's just a market that's ripe for Epcot to be successful. Yeah, and if you can't latch onto that, what are you doing? How do you not see that as being? Uh, you know, a juicy, delicious uh, target that they can, uh, you know, aim themselves toward. And it seems like they're just, they're not quite there. And I I suspect largely that this is a committee problem. This is a real problem of Disney being as big as it is. They're not very nimble. Way too many people have to sign off on these things. Um, And unfortunately, you know, there's a little joke that, you know, a camel was a horse that was built by committee and Epcot (laughs) is a theme park that was built by committee. It's just, it's not. I don't know that it was necessarily built by committee. Well, it's it's modified by committee. How about that? Repaired by committee. Yes. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) And I've said that before that, you know, the opening day of all of the parks is, is a fascinating moment that anyone who cares about theme parks should really focus on because it is the pinnacle of unity. Right, and mm-hmm. I don't mean that in the global sense. I mean that in terms of theming. Right, that is the that is the uh, you know the fine that is the f- unblemished version of the final draft of the story that the Imagineers wanted to tell. And then operations come in there. And granted, I'm an ops guy. Right, that is my background. For those of you who don't know, I basically ran operations in an airline. I get that sometimes the grand vision kind of is ugly when you get it in the real world, yeah. and you have to change things. The ideas that you, you know. We're at the conference room or the boardroom table just don't work in the real world and you have to make tweaks. I totally, I'm more understanding of that than most because of the experience I've had. But as someone who's a theme park fan, I have to say that my experience is that 20 or 30 or 40 years of ops modifications to the original grand design tend to be pretty problematic to the theming of a, of a theme park. And I think Epcot is the most damaged by that of any Disney property that I've ever seen. I just want to remind everybody, this guy that's talking about all this unity right now is also the one about 15 minutes ago said world meant America. I, that was <laughs> an error. <laughs> He's not I, think, I think we can all agree that that was a regrettable uh, slip of the <laughs> No, that was, uh, that was sarcasm, and I was testing you. <laughs> as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, oh. World needs America. <laughs> well, well, now I've done it. <laughs> um, I want to throw a, uh, something out at you guys. Did either of you, well, the, the question is going to follow this question. Did either of you listen to the latest Jim and Len show where they talked about um, Mission Breakout over in California Adventure? Uh, no. Most of it. Haven't finished it. Okay. A lot of that podcast was heaping praise on Joe Rody, who I think is uh, one of our favorites around here as well. Um, I think today he probably has the most creative power in Imagineering. Um, I think that if he's given an assignment, he actually has the power to say, hey, if we're going to do this, we got to do it my way, and generally doesn't get the pushback that perhaps some of your lower-level Imagineers might get. Um, And to that point, with Mission Breakout, he was given a task where they had to basically turn Tower of Terror into a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction in six months, and he was able to do it. And one of the takeaways from the Jim and Len show was that um, now a lot of Imagineers are pissed at him because he did it and did it well. Um, but to that point about, that Josh was making about looking at a park from its origins to today and kind of the evolution of it, um, 
it's real. It's a real rarity that you have somebody like Joe Rody who has been in control of that same uh, portfolio. In this case, the Animal Kingdom for the entire existence of that park. The park's now twenty-two years old, and it's why you get to see some of those thematic ties ring true. Whereas with Epcot, Marty Sklar was not in control of Epcot for the entirety of its life, and for the, for uh, the last twenty or so years, you can see it kind of moving away from that. John Hench didn't have the same involvement and you can see it moving away from those initial themes. And when you don't have a singular voice to identify what the identity of the park is, you get to see that disconnect creep its ugly head out. So I think that's part of the problem that we're seeing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that was a killer transition. Uh, Next one comes to us from Austin from Tampa, Florida. Uh, Enjoy the beaches, Austin. Uh, Hey, guys. Longtime listener of the show and a huge fan. Stop. Uh, Yes? Oh, we got a praise? Sorry. Yeah, stop. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't go good after this. Now, help me with grammar. He says he's a huge fan. Does that mean that he's like a giant person or that he likes us a lot? I mean, we can think of it uh, like how do we measure fandom? Is it in just overall girth of our fans that we have? Like, is it just a weight thing? I mean, we could have a hundred. We could have a hundred fans, but if they all weigh a hundred pounds, or would you rather have 50, 50 fans that weigh two hundred pounds? I don't know how that works. All right, uh, something to think about. Would you rather yeah. fight one duck-sized horse or? <laughs> First, thank you for always sticking to the deep and intellectual. That was bad Oh, comical at times. We're good. <laughs> The parenthetical saved us. That sets this podcast apart from all the other Disney podcasts out there. My question slash topic suggestion I have is, it seems that Stitch's Great Escape is slowly phasing its way out of the park. What new ride show experience would you replace it with? Considering the unique building and ride system, would you stick to this circular design or gut out the building and start with something new? Hmm, I like also, with the minor retheming of Tomorrowland, what kind of property, original or IP, would flow with a new direction of Tomorrowland for this experience? Thanks in advance for considering this question and keep up the good work, guys. I don't consider it theming minor, but let's go back to the beginning. He likes the show, and he possibly That's the most important part. <laughs> and he's huge. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the question that's like, your show sucks. By the way, <laughs> would you keep the theater in the round or no? <laughs> Tom did send us an email. Uh, <laughs> uh, either of you have any thoughts on what can replace Stitch's Great Escape? I have only a partial thought there. Is it twelve percent of a plan? Less than that, I would say. So the part of the the question that interests me more than what I would put in there, because I'm not, admittedly, I'm not a super creative person. That's not the brush the I would paint myself with. That's a joke. Imagineering jackass. I used a painting <laughs> analogy to describe how not creative I am. For those of you who missed it, it's fucking hilarious. Anyway, um, the 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 circular design is interesting because. If you if we go back to the history of this, it tracks back to a Disneyland attraction called Flight to the Moon, mm-hmm. um, which then was evolved into Flight to Mars because it was a forward-looking attraction. And after 1969, when we landed on the moon, that is a you know forward-looking attraction no longer made sense. Um, and everything that's been put in there since has constrained itself to that format, right? Mm-hmm. The circuit, the, the ring of seat or the multiple rings of seats with all of the action taking place uh, in the middle. Right. Uh, the, the extraterrestrial, what was it called? The, the 
extraterrestrial alien encounter. That was by far Ben's mother's favorite attraction. That was by far the best attraction that's been there. Now you can make a very strong argument that it was too, too extreme for the, for the setting and that didn't belong there. And that's all fine. But I think empiric, I'm going to make a subjective statement about an empirical measure. In my (laughs) opinion, that was obviously and objectively the best attraction that was been in it. That was a good attraction. Yeah. Um, it had, especially for its time, by far the best animatronic that I've ever seen. I don't hear anyone praise. I forget the guy's name, the XS Tech robot that was like the, uh, you know, the MC for the sure. pre-show. 90210. Yeah, really, really good. And all I hear is, oh, the Ellen animatronic is so good. It looked like the queen from freaking Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The face sculpt, not so much. Actually, the Stitch animatronics were great uh, for whatever that's worth. But anyway. Yeah, so I would say that you know they've they've spent, let's see, Disney. That was an opening day. Well, wasn't an opening day attraction? It was pretty close. So the you know, we're original coming, uh, mission to flight, Mars was, but mission uh, to the moon, flight to the moon, flight to the moon. Yeah. So you're looking at a you're, mission to Mars in Florida. We've got we're going on six decades of trying to shoehorn attractions into that round theater. Yeah. I would say again, and I'm a simpleton here. Come up with a good idea. You know, let's not constrain ourselves to the plywood that's in that building and come up with a good idea. If the good idea lends itself to part of that or all of it, then keep it or change it, you know, in a minor way. If the great idea that you have requires that you got the building, then got the building. I think that the ideological problem that we've seen with the, with the company is that they're constraining themselves. The whole reason that you, the whole reason we have a blue sky podcast is the same reason that Walt Disney had these blue sky meetings was to mm-hmm. eliminate was, it was this simple notion that to get the best creative work, you have to eliminate the constraints. You don't have the accountant sitting in your creative meeting talking about why you can't actually do the idea that people have. You don't want the lawyer sitting in there saying why you know the ride system's going to be too dangerous. You start with the idea that there are no limits. That's what Blue Sky is. And we've never talked about that on the show. Maybe it's worth it. We're a Blue Sky podcast, meaning that we start with pure creativity that isn't constrained by all of the pragmatic limitations that exist in the real world. So whenever I see this company go do anything in terms of changing an attraction, that's what I want them to do. I want them to come up with the best possible idea. And then the second step of the creative process is how do you make it work? How do you make it so that it is legal? How do you make it so that it is safe? How do you make it so that it can be done within the budget that you have? Those constraints are real, and I'm not undermining the value of those, but that can't be the first step. The first step can't be, here's a round space with three rows of seats, what can we put here? The first step has to be, what is the best experience we can add to Tomorrowland? And then, then you start with, here's how many cubic feet we have. Here's how many you know, amps of electricity we can deliver. All of those constraints are real, but you've got to start with a good idea first. And if there's anything that I hope when I you know, shuffle off of this mortal coil that my podcasting you know, uh, message has been clear on, it's that's what I think is the right way to do this. And even as a person who doesn't say there is creative, I know in my heart that is the right way to do anything, including creative endeavors. So you're going to be pissed off when I say I want to put the fourth spinner attraction inside there. <laughs> hey, if you think the four, a spinner attraction is the best thing, then I support you. I would disagree with you, but at least, you know, <laughs> at least you're, you're, you're conforming to the ideology. Uh, I, well, I, I was half joking there. But Dumbo I, or? I, 
I know I've said in the past the Rocket Pack attraction that's out front of the Tron yeah. ride uh, has has intrigued me for a while. The way that setup is and kind of simulating flight. Uh, and I did think with the round room like that, obviously I think you'd have to do a, I, I've not seen that attraction in person. I would imagine the current setup is too large for one of those rooms, but wait, you've not, it, oh, I was, okay. I understand. Yeah, the, the, I thought the you were saying pack. you haven't seen Stitch's Great Escape. No, no, the, the rocket pack. You version know what you're missing, dude. It's a great trick. <laughs> uh, but no, I was thinking if, if you could do like a condensed version of that in both those rooms, so you'd have two of the spinners going, yeah. uh, you would take out all the rows of seats. Uh, change the walls to, I wouldn't even say doing projection mapping, but you could do a digital screen wrap around that room. And then even, obviously they're probably not there because we've seen the pictures from backdoor Disney and stuff of how that attraction uh, has been torn apart. But you had the two Kuka arms uh, that were at the roof of that building that, uh, that were in Stitches. Well, yeah, Stitches Great Escape. Um, I, I was thinking, could you do something there that was almost like a space ballet Either, either where you control the up and down movement of your spinner ride or if it's a pre-programmed deal and it incorporates an audio, animatri- uh, audio animatronic figure of Eve and Wally, and you kind of simulate the the flying ballet scenes that we saw in those movies with the, with the wonderful soundtrack that went along with that. Uh, simple, basic, not, not groundbreaking, but I think but maybe... A, it. I kind of yeah. think that would be a neat experience inside there using... Uh, an indoor version of the spinner, but putting digital walls where you could make it feel like you are on, on you know, in space and and, and flying around, uh, and, and falls in line with you know the theme of the area. I, to I'm, me, that sounds like a, a perf. That yeah. sounds like an absolutely worthwhile idea so, to explore. I'm looking at the aerial of it now, and the uh, I assume that the theaters, and I don't know if you guys have looked at the aerial of this, but if anybody is following along at home. Uh, there's hexagons, which I believe are the theater spaces, and they are roughly the same size as Astro Orbiter, as Dumbo, as um, Aladdin. It might be a little bit tighter, but if you make a slightly tighter uh, uh, spinner, then so be it. So I think that would certainly work. Uh, Josh, it's interesting that you talked about the space and the constraints of it, because that is exactly where I started, just saying that the footprint is so tight for something like this that if you're going to do anything uh, in that space, you're very limited. But the the good thing is if you wanted to do something more elaborate, uh, you could remove this entire building structure. Yeah. And I don't think you're losing anything sacred. And it's a huge complex. But it has Stitch's Great Escape. It has Merchant of Venice. It has Star Traders. It has Auntie, Annie, or Auntie Gravities. And it has Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. And it kind of flows over to the Speedway, which we also want to get rid of. So, like, you could totally redo Tomorrowland by getting rid of that building and getting rid of the Speedway. And you still you got to be careful with the uh, got to be careful with the TTA track. That's the uh, that's literally yeah, the only thing that I care about. But um, I, I mean, for, there's a couple of things you said that are worthwhile. I think one of the problems that we've discussed many times with replacement attractions is that they're always going to be held up to what came before them. And this is an opportunity because let's stitch his great escape. Look to, to quote Jim Hill. I know. Yes. Is there somebody out there who would say this is the best attraction ever? And it's their favorite. Yes. If, but I don't want to be friends with that person. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and there are, there is a whole contingent of Disney fans whose, you know, MO is to, you know, swear that any attraction that's getting removed is the best thing ever, but it's not. 
You know, mm-hmm. this is this is just not Disney's best work. I don't think anyone there would, would would say that it is. It's a, you know, it's an add-on. It's something. It's a it's a value add that when you're in Tomorrowland, you can go bang it out. It's a okay time. It's fine, but it's it's not great. It's not Disney's best work, which right. gives them a lot of latitude to do something without having it be you know compared to Horizons, for example. The the other thing that was rumored here for a while was a Wreck-It Ralph attraction, and we talked about this. The racing uh, back, thing? Yeah, the racing thing. So we talked about this back on episode eight, um, that it was lo- that's kind of like a logical choice, except now with, and we'll get to this in a future question, um, with Nintendo building a Mario Kart attraction, any race, any virtual racing attraction is going to be compared to it. And because you're constrained by this, because the budget for the Mario Kart attraction versus the budget for any replacement that's going to be a racing Wreck-It Ralph attraction in the same footprint, you're, you're not going to win that argument. You're not going to win that uh, back and forth. So I'd be far more inclined to go with, uh, with Ben's suggestion um, of some sort of virtual spinner, uh, something indoors. I like the WALL-E theme. I think that fits uh, perfectly fine into Tomorrowland. Alternatively, if you're going to gut it, I wouldn't oppose a Stitch Dark Ride. I don't think the issue is Stitch. I think it was just a lousy attraction with a intellectual property that people do enjoy. But um, I think that if you are constrained by this uh, this building, that a spinner makes a ton of sense. Well, yeah. I can guarantee you that it, <laughs> if if Mr. Chapek's listening right now. Uh, Bob. We can get we can get this done because you would exit into a big and large gift shop, which is just screaming opportunity, right? There you go, there you go. Take down the speedway and just have a huge Walmart set up there. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I want to say is I support any plan that gets the speedway out of there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think that Tomorrowland is probably the next area of uh, the Magic Kingdom that needs significant attention, and I would not have any problem with them removing this entire building, removing the speedway, um, and having it shift focus to things like Tron and have the, uh, the, the vibe be more of that Tron theme. Um, What do you think about monsters Inc laugh floor? And and, and let me tell you the reason I asked before you answer. I like the attraction. (laughs) You just, you just did did what he said. (laughs) I I thought you were okay. Anyway, go for it. My reason is because the Stitch's Great Estate building and the Monsters Inc. Laugh-Ward building currently create the entranceway to Tomorrowland. Right. So if you if you were to get rid of them both, you could completely transform the entire aesthetic of walking into that land. Yeah, I mean, you basically gutted the entire land if you do that. And yeah. Buzz Lightyear is in that same building. Um, and while Buzz Lightyear is a grassy family favorite, again, I don't think it's sacred. I don't think... And I've said that I don't think anything in Tomorrowland other than the TTA uh, in their current form is sacred. Um, it's not to say that I, I have more affinity it. for uh, for Space Mountain yeah, than you don't do. Touch and I, Space I think Mountain. you're also it, you're eliminating Carousel Progress there because you've already mentally moved to Dabcott. Well, well, I'm saying in their current form, Carousel of Progress needs an update. Space Mountain needs an update. That's why I'm saying it that way. Um, I don't know. So it's not I, to say I, that it, like the concept of Carousel of Progress should go away or the concept of Space Mountain should go away. They just need to be updated. You know what? I, in, a, in a weird way, I feel like I'm getting my Space Mountain update with the Tron roller coaster. Okay. So, so I, I, don't, I don't want Space Mountain touched at this point. I, I want kind of agree this, with Ben on this. I want that classic nostalgic feel 
give me that ride that still looks like what it did did when yep. I was a kid. That still gives me that isn't going to break. I don't think no, that's part so of the as, fun. As you, if your concern is that you're going to break, then I'll give you some credibility there. <laughs> if your concern is the track is going to break, let's just assume the engineers have got it right and it's not. But <laughs> I, 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 it's a, it out in Disneyland. That's the bang up assumption. But but here's the thing: you can go across the country. There's a lot of aerodynamics coasters that are still out there, and they're all rough to ride. Heather yeah. and I went to Dollywood the show, right before they closed, and um, I rode on Tennessee. I think it's called Tennessee Tornado or Tennessee Twister. I mean, the loop on that thing... That's a sex move. Come on. It is. It is. I'm still not mastered it yet. (laughs) I'm still bleeding from the last time Heather tried it on me. Uh, In any event... Um, you know those rides are are tough. They they you yeah. know they hadn't figured out the heartline thing and the you know the shape of the uh, you know loops. I mean there, there's all aero coasters are a little bit rough on the body, but Space Mountain is a pretty mild ride. So even though it's rough for a ride that goes at most 28 miles an hour, it's not going to hurt you. You know you could go ride Space Mountain and not be wounded. So I'm not. I, That's I don't, the best thing you can say about it. It won't wound you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, look, I understand your point. I'm not, I, there, there's, there are better versions of Space Mountain in every resort around the world. That's my opposition to Florida's version of Space Mountain. But what's but Florida's version of Space Mountain is unique, and it's the only version that is Florida's version of Space Mountain, and I think yep. that makes it special. Yep. Yep. Stitch's Great Escape was the only version of Stitch's Great Escape that was... Uh, that was but good. Space Mountain doesn't suck. I, your point's well taken. Look, I you know I appreciate logic, and you're using it. <laughs> I, I guess in my mind, there's and some. You're arguing with emotion, which is always what you like to do. <laughs> yeah, this is my specialty. <laughs> this is like we're flipping roles here. But I think there is something. I. I all right. I, I guess I just have to see that you're right. I, I guess all that I have Damn is straight. that I. I guess. <laughs> I like Space Mountain a lot. I think that Space Mountain is an objectively better ride than Stitch's Great Escape, but I recognize that I'm not capable of making that objective measurement. So uh, I'm willing to concede the point. I think Space Mountain is, I think if we were to to canvas the world and say, and, and find out people that have an affinity to riding a ride for the first time when they were young and, and therefore love it, Space Mountain is one that's going to have a yep. much bigger mind share than Stitch's Great Escape. That would be the point I would, that's the hill that I'm willing to die on. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm not making that argument. I know, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> we both for, get to for make a while, <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to I'm going to condemn my uh, former podcast co-host on the E-Taker Report. Uh, the fact that Josh just conceded, I just have to concede that you're right. That has never <laughs> happened in the history of the E-Taker Report, where any of us gave up uh, an inch uh, either way. But to your point about Space Mountain, I'm just setting, I'm playing a long con on you. <laughs> <laughs> Space Mountain is it, in itself; it is an institution. It is yes. something that um, we talk about brand recognition and is it, what is more universally known: the concept of Space Mountain or the concept of Lilo and Stitch. Those yeah, are right. those are two things that like we feel that current management doesn't grasp that you can create a new entertainment medium in a theme park that also has staying power and has name recognition that isn't necessarily tied to this other form of entertainment that you have called movies. Um, Space Mountain is a great example of an attraction that does that. Um, So for that point, though, it goes to are we lamenting over the nostalgia and childhood memories and how dare I destroy... (laughs) those precious childhood memories um, when objectively 
there are much smoother coasters, as you outlined, and those smoother coasters are called Space Mountain as well. They just happen right. to not exist in Florida. So, Tim, um, so I, the Red, the Red Sox could make a lot more money if they built a new stadium and added 30,000 seats and luxury skyboxes. Should they do that, or should they stay at Fenway? Well, Ben, it's interesting that you asked that, because in uh, either 10th grade or 12th grade, Josh, uh, you can go take a pee break right now. <laughs> I'm bored. Um, I took a class called Current Domestic Issues. And uh, this was at the time when the Harrington Group – this is when we lose all of our listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Harrington Group, uh, the owners that were the uh, administrators of the Yaki Trust, had a proposal to do a waterfront stadium, which I advocated for. Uh, having said that, uh, I would admit now that I am wrong because the current ownership group did a very good renovation on the old Fenway Park. But I was of the opinion that they should have replaced it back in the early 90s when it was at its shittiest. So to answer your question and shit on your point. (laughs) Can you fix this in post? (laughs) So we'll go back to Stitch's Great Escape here. And we're going to level that building. Yep. We're going to put a uh, a festival center in there. Okay. Then then we're going to split up Tomorrowland into three sections and call it Tomorrowland Nature, Tomorrowland Celebration, and Tomorrowland Discovery. World back pain, <laughs> world alien, and and world malfunctioning. <laughs> oh, and world go kart. <laughs> Sorry, forgot Perfect. one. Perfect. I, like I think it. we nailed we nailed that question. <laughs> Uh, why don't Let's we go move on the best ever. next one. Well, I have one last thing I want to mention before we go on. I've been thinking about Space Mountain as you guys have were just talking about stupid baseball. <laughs> and it, it occurs to me that maybe the problem, maybe the challenge with Space Mountain is that as a roller coaster in the dark, yep. there there isn't a lot to anchor it as being Space Mountain other than what is literally there. And what I mean by that is this. If you were to retrack Thunder Mountain... Mm-hmm. Nobody would care. It wouldn't right. affect the experience of Thunder Mountain at all, whether it was rougher or smoother, because Thunder Mountain is the environment that it's in. Space Mountain is in the dark. So I think my affinity for the track that's there is that there's nothing there. It's literally just being yanked around in the dark. So if you change that, it's the only thing that I have to connect myself to that experience. So I, I guess that's why I want that rickety old unbanked painful track to stay because that is the only real thing I have to connect me to my childhood memory of what space mountain was. And you still want Tim the break run in front of like the 15 foot drop. That's the biggest <laughs> drop in the direction. <laughs> I, how many times when you've been at space mountain, have you gone? <clears throat> because that's like the, pretty much every time <laughs> the quintessential sound of a space mountain is your organs like bouncing off of each other. See, we don't want it to change because that's one less Fast Pass Plus person we have to fight for that reservation wow. if Tim's not going to book it. Fast Pass Plus. You had to bring thing, it up. So everybody, when they're comparing Disneyland and Disney World, points to Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And yep. don't get me wrong, I love Disneyland's version of Pirates of the Caribbean, but for me, my favorite attraction in Disneyland is Space Mountain. I just hmm. think it's it's so much better than Florida's version. So that's where, that's what, where I'm coming. What about it? Is it the track or is it the environment? Uh, the environment of Florida is absolutely fine. It's very similar. Uh, but the combination of the, the track in California is probably a worse track layout. It's okay. not, it's not as thrilling. It's smooth and it has onboard audio. Yeah. 
that's that's would, the biggest thing. Would adding onboard audio to the Florida version of Space Mountain get you to leave it alone? It would help. When they added offboard audio, it helped. Yep. Um, I kind of like offboard audio, and, and I'll tell you why. If you're flying by things in space, they're not in the spaceship. So it makes some sense if you want to create an environmental ambiance for ambiance, whatever. Uh, I mean, you can you know, accomplish that same thing though with onboard audio and just have. But it's not as it's not as authentic as having them be offboard, right? Like talking about like alien encounter and how you can kind of have things in the two headsets and basically have have it have something like cross the path of the. Of, but of but the all engine. I'm saying is why create something? Why replace right now what Space Mountain has is a more organic external encounter experience based on audio than what it would have if it were on board. Why put, why trying to do an elaborate trick if you can have it, it be authentic? <laughs> I think it sounds better. What about and maybe the, both? Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. Like having off board effects as well would help. Um, what they're doing now is they're playing a, a soundtrack that is you're like, it kind of fades in and out as you, as you move throughout the attraction. But the, isn't that kind of like space? Out. What do you well, think the there's, soundtrack there's no, of space no is? There's no, <laughs> there's no Tim's music life. in space. <laughs> I feel like Tim, if Tim signed up for NASA and became an astronaut, he expects there'd be like an Aerosmith song playing when he Michael goes into orbit. Don't want to close to score the launch and the entirety of the trip. <laughs> don't want to fall asleep because I'm... <laughs> Why don't we move on? You know, the sound, you know, the background music in space really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it also smells like metal. <laughs> Uh, let's see. This one comes to us from Drew Cantwell. Uh, Hi, Drew. Hi, <laughs> Drew. Hey, Tim. I assume you're the only one that checks this. Drew Cockwell. Uh, well, that's shitty. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he also doesn't praise us either, so should we just skip this? Skip. Uh, I'd be more than happy to provide some content and behind the scenes from Jungle Cruise and Pirates. This guy's going for Ben's job. <laughs> Designable <laughs> color programs. Uh, we have a tendency to replace hosts in the show, so Drew's vying for that. Uh, no, we, have a, we have a tendency to replace Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I did multiple college programs working at these attractions between I crushed Gary's record, so I don't care. That's true. Uh, times were different back then, and we were still allowed to use the guns at Jungle Cruise, and as Ben spoke on Pirates, was a dumpster fire at times. Uh, I'd like to know if Ben gave any cruises to celebrities – uh, as I had the opportunity to many times. Uh, these were usually very unique as they're the only ones in the boat and the VIP tour would usually ride along. Uh, did, you ever, did you ever do Kristen Dunst? I mean, by do, I mean... Star of Skipper. the Tower of Terror uh, directed <laughs> yes. <the> sequel? <laughs> no, I, I never did Kirsten Dunst. Damn, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> what about Steve Gutenberg? Oh, so I'm supposed to answer here, huh? You yes. answer? Okay. Yes. Uh, so no, I never had a celebrity on my boat. I had a few celebrity encounters there. Uh, I will say that we did have a pecking order for, uh, if Roy E. Disney ever walked around. Okay. I did, I did say the right one, right? I got the right initial. The one that was alive, like in 19 or in 2000, uh, Roy, <laughs> Roy yeah. Is that Roy O? Roy O. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Roy E. would have been way dead. Uh, Roy, Roy O. E. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pronounced. Between him and the piano player that Josh killed earlier today. <laughs> Finger bang uh, no, uh, did you ever? You're, you're Roy E. You are correct. I'm sorry. Am I sorry? Okay. Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> We're not Disney fans here. This is on you. On, uh, yep. So uh, there, there was a pecking order if Roy uh, was to come into the park and 
ride the attraction. There, there was a kind of a seniority list of who would get to be the skipper on that boat. Okay. Uh, oddly enough, during my summer, it was my trainer. He was the next in line to get to do it, but he, he never showed up during uh, the time that I was there. Uh, one time at Unload, and I've told this story on Inside the Magic before. Uh, you, you know, humble brag. I, the humble brag. Uh, I encountered many celebrities at different times, and most of the time they had VIP tour guides, but every once in a while you'd have somebody that would uh, just kind of be low key incognito, trying to you know get around List with their fa- family. Well, and and you'll still see this all the time in the park. Not every celebrity will have that VIP tour guide going around. Basically, if they want the VIP tour guide, so they can jump the line and, and get easier access. Who's to the, the hottest but, celebrity you saw? Vin Diesel. Uh, <laughs> no. Steve Gutenberg. Ernest <laughs> <laughs> uh, Borgnine. Susan Sarandon. Abe I did have a Susan Sarandon story where she TV's dropped her elf. <laughs> Susan Sarandon dropped her sunglasses in uh, in the in the jungle in the water off the side of the boat, and she wanted us to go down and get them. Cunt. And we were not going to go down and get them. And she was not happy about that at all. And so later in the day, uh, we haven't got to this story, but we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later because uh, I think. Uh, like, sorry, who was our who was our email from? Drew. Drew. <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Drew, <laughs> Drew sent yeah. a note at Drew, Drew sent <laughs> In two weeks we're gonna be reading a question from Ben and Drew's gonna be answering it. <laughs> uh Drew Drew had sent me a note asking if if Jungle Skippers helped work on the Main Street or the parades at night. And at the time I was there it was Main Street Electrical Parade, which we did. And so we can talk about that on a later show. But where where the skippers would take over working the parades was the bridge that went from the hub into Liberty Square. That was also the VIP sitting section for, for celebrities to view the parades at night. And so Susan had dropped her glasses in the uh, in, in the river early in the day. She made a big stink out of it. We said on we, a first name basis. Yeah, we said we would Susie. look for them. We said we'd look for them later. Obviously, Susie we didn't. McButterfingers, as Ben calls her. <laughs> We, we didn't do a damn thing looking for him at all. But that night, I was picked to work uh, the parade route. There would be like four, three, three or four skippers, and then they'd take some from Pirates. They'd take some from Big Thunder, and we would all work basically Liberty Square through the end of the uh, parade through Frontierland. And so, but where, where we would start would be on that bridge across from where the celebrity sat. And so she saw me standing with a couple other skippers and looks at us and points at us, and we kind of look over at her, and she, you know puts her hands up to her face like with her glasses asking if we had found the glasses and we just shook our heads saying no and ignored her the rest of the time. So uh, that was one fun story with her. My favorite one though, uh, I was working the load area. I was working at the back of the boat loading people on and this one celebrity comes through and and you're supposed to grab the person by the arm. You're literally supposed to grab them by the wrist and the elbow real hard. I remember the story and I could step on it but I won't. (laughs) You, you know where I'm going with this one? I do, yes. I lo- <clears throat> and so I'm loading these people on, and one of the, the like very last person that I load onto the boat is this guy with his uh, hat. He's got like a beard, kind of long, black, stringy hair out the back of the hat. Bob and the, the, the beard is thick <laughs> enough that you can tell he's trying to do it to cover something up. And I grab him by the arm. I load him on. You know, little tattoo stuff on the arm. Kind of kind of a hipster. T- you know, in 2000, like, like a hip... Hip guy would look, did not look like a dad walking around with his family with, you know, jorts on or anything like that. And I look at him and he sits down on the boat and he looks up at me 
like, you know who I am. And I'm looking down at him like, I know who you are. He looks back up at me. He's like, you better not say a damn thing. And, 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 and I'm just smiling. And it's Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana that I just had on the boat. I've heard and that I'm just like, that's every, so awesome. Everything I've ever heard about that guy is that he's actually a legit nice guy. Yeah. One of, but, one of the few celebrities I hear that about. For sure. And he seemed, he just seemed normal. He just seemed like yeah. he was there, like did not want to cause it, bring attention to himself, didn't want to do anything. But, uh, you know, it, and he might've had glasses on for the most part, but taking them off by the time he was getting on the glasses. boat. Yeah, Susan Sarandon's <laughs> glasses. But I'm like, uh, that's great. Thank massive you, Nirvana fan, massive, <laughs> massive Foo Fighters fan. And I was like, I know who you are, without a yeah. doubt. Didn't say a word. Uh, the other one that I really enjoyed for my giant jungle cruise. Did you look uh, at him and say, don't worry, I'm not going to be your monkey wrench. I got you, Boro. Uh, the other one that I really liked, and I was working at the greeter position at Jungle Cruise, and I see a VIP tour guide walking around the corner. Uh, we called them plaids for the uh, plaid outfits they wore. So I yeah, saw a plaid so walking hot. around, and the plaid had two people with them. This was middle of summer. Was the plaid hot? Usually are. Yeah. Uh, the plaid had two two people with her, both of them in skin-tight black leather pants. Yes. Uh, long sleeve shirts, chains yes. hanging off everywhere. And it, yeah. it, 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 they're, they're walking closer and closer, and they get up to me, and it's Rob Zombie, and uh, I don't know, wife, girlfriend, whoever it was, but it was Rob Zombie at the Magic Kingdom dressed like Rob Zombie is about to put on a concert. Like, did not, didn't try to hide anything. I don't know if you ever could actually hide anything if you're Rob Zombie, but I don't know if black leather pants are necessary necessary in the middle of summer in Florida. Uh, but the guy, it's certainly practical. Yeah. See, he, he, he walked, <laughs> he walks the walk. So I always thought that was funny. Just the, the, the disposition, uh, I can't say it. Disposition. Disposition. Take a shot. Every time Ben, every time Ben can't pronounce a word, you take a shot. Uh, <laughs> just the offset of a, you know, clean cut, proper, VIP tour guide and like this metal her, rock star right behind it, him walking. Let through, me just so. be honest. Did it look like a kidnapping? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So those would probably be my child leashes. Yep. <laughs> those would be my biggest uh, celeb stories over. We have some at the, uh, that I can talk about over at Muppets, but uh, th- those were my big ones over at the Jungle Cruise. Can I, can I share a celeb story real quick? Go for it. It has nothing to do with Disney. Because I'm going to, so you better 12. <laughs> uh, perfect. I, I was a corporate pilot for many years. I flew a lot of very famous people. Uh, and for the most part, you know, it was like whatever. To me, I, I got into flying because I liked airplanes and I wanted to fly. I didn't really give a shit about who was in the back. I wanted to do a good job and give them a good service. But I did fly Batman. Um, and um, Which one? More specific. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Adam West. Florida. It was not Adam West. Uh, God, I'm having a brain. Michael part, Keaton, Val yeah, Kilmer. Okay, it was Michael George Keaton, whose who's actual name, go. by the way, is Michael Douglas, which, as you understand, would be a problem because there's another yes. actor named Michael Douglas. But anyway, it was him, him and his son. And uh, I was a co pilot on this flight, and we flew up. It was out of like somewhere in upstate Montana, like Montana, like a, a ski area or something. I don't know exactly where it was, but uh, out of Montana for sure, very rural area. Um, he was a super low key guy. Didn't say two words and we took off and we had left the flight manual at the airport. So we got about 20 minutes in route and had to turn around and go back and get the manual. And it, <laughs> just the, the, I don't want to drag the story out. So the, the, the short version of the story is I pissed off Batman <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he, he took it like a champ. 
to be sure. It, it was our screw up, and I felt bad. You should have uh, said, "Oh no, we have engine failure. Gotta turn back and land." And well, that would have made the leaving and going back again. We're we're going to New York. Oh, every, everything's good. We're yeah, good. We fixed it. We, we fixed put some it. gum on the hole. Just go yeah, outside that. with a with a wrench, and you're banging against it. Good. We're good to go. <laughs> Uh, pretty much most of my celebrity encounters were not events, but that was one where it was like our fuck up totally impacted his day, and it was it was a bummer. But yeah, was Robert Pattinson nice? Decent enough guy. People have paid less for better service and complained less than he did, so I'll give the guy a pat on the back for that. I won't repeat my joke. Um, <laughs> Jokes are always best the second time around. Exactly. Mitch um, said that. So me, me sharing my uh, celebrity story, and it's not the uh, time that I almost met Robert Downey Jr. Um, I think I've told this one before. I'm pretty sure I've told Ben this, uh, if not uh, publicly on a podcast, but privately. Um, we were in Disneyland, and back in like the uh, Fantasyland area by that Mickey and the Magical Map show. There Is this when you met Cinderella at these? Uh, no, yes, I met Cinderella, and it was magical. Um, <laughs> no, it was in the bathroom. Um, Full disclosure, when you travel with a uh, adult autistic person, you need to govern what they do in the bathroom to make sure that uh, all processes are followed and they're not exposing their bare ass or bare front to the As someone who's to- gone to Disney with you, I will concur with this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh-huh. I do so drop that- my pants and my underwear. <laughs> my, my pants and my underwear at the uh, Tim, your penis goes on the inside. <laughs> this is the third time I've had to tell you. So anyway, I'm uh, standing at the... Uh, at the stall with the door closed while my brother goes to the bathroom and Mark Cuban walks into the bathroom. Huh. Um, and Ben, this will not Did you pitch you. him a business proposition? <laughs> uh, he was wearing uh, Mavericks basketball shorts and a t-shirt, a uh, Mavericks nice. t-shirt. So not so, even like trying to hide who he is. That's right. literally he, what he wears every day. Yeah, everywhere, I mean, so. he, can, he can buy and sell the theme park seven times over. So he doesn't care if, uh, uh, really about anything. So um, he, uh, I recognized who he was. He presumably assumed that I recognized who he was. Um, so I then go back out to uh, my family to tell them that Mark Cuban uh, uh, was in the bathroom and so I was waiting for my brother. And not five seconds later, like Mark Cuban is within earshot of us. And my father, like just being the aloof uh, uh, person that he can be, starts looking around. Where's Mark? Where's Mark? And he's literally <laughs> five five yards away from him. Um, so that was our Mark Cuban encounter. But yes, Ben, you saw, you said that that's pretty much on brand for him from a wardrobe standpoint. Yep. So did, he, did the you opposite of trying to be incognito? Did you take a peek? I did not take a peek. Um, <laughs> did I, it look I, like a mushroom resting on top I of his balls? I think I might've said hi. And, uh, you know, he, I think recognized that I was there with somebody that was disabled and whatnot. But, um, well, I, I will <laughs> Since you brought up basketball, so Mark, and- I've got this idea. It's a pet, <laughs> but it's also a rock, <laughs> and I'm willing to sell you a twenty percent stake for ten trillion dollars. That's I've got how. A business that's where how Tim got on the show. You stand guard over people going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since, since you're on the basketball realm, though, I will bring this one up. This is very quick, but I had a celebrity encounter on my uh, recent trip last summer that is very kind of topical right now with other stories that are in the Disney community. I did run into Brooke and Robin Lopez at Midnight in the Magic Kingdom. Do they have uh, a Buzzy animatronic with I it? I don't know. It, that might have been the night he was going to pick up Buzzy. Uh, I don't know for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's another funny one where you literally have two seven-foot twin brothers 
walking around by themselves, you know, in the shops at the magic. There's no way you can hide seven feet. You know, automatically you see that and you you assume, especially the the body size that they have, you assume they're basketball players of some type. And uh, yeah, those guys are big enough fans that they seem to just walk around and, 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 you know, enjoy the parks like everybody else. And if they have extra money, they buy stolen audio animatronics, but that's another story. (laughs) Unknowingly. (laughs) Unknowingly. Yes. Close. They properly vetted it. You can tell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway. uh, It fell off a truck. (laughs) uh, We did actually go back and forth in all seriousness. Drew is not replacing Ben on the show, at least not yet. Damn. Um, We will likely have Drew on the show at some point in the future. Uh, so if you do have pointed questions on Pirates of the Caribbean or if you didn't like any of Ben's answers to the Jungle Cruise questions, hey. um, <laughs> you can send us those, martycall at gmail.com. Um, we've got a few more questions on Twitter. Uh, Let's hit them up. Yes. Uh, first one uh, comes from Br'er Oswald. Uh, Tim, why is Derek always right? You mispronounce a rabbit. No, Br'er. Br'er. Brother. <laughs> Brother Oswald. Uh, so why is Derek always right? Um, my immediate answer was most sociopaths believe they're always right. Um, (laughs) he did have a serious question. Uh, what are everyone's thoughts on super Nintendo world? You've given it a brief mention once or twice. Uh, our brief mention was episode 11, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, we did an armchair imagineering episode on that. So, uh, so pay attention, brother Oswald. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm looking forward to a new theme park. I mean, it's what we live for. And even though it's not a new Disney theme park, Universal has been doing some pretty damn good work lately. So I'm looking forward to it. Competition is the motive force behind all of this. And, you know, I think that the the unexpected turn in all of this was the Corona thing. And that's going to throw a monkey wrench in the development of all of these parks. Um, But this too will pass. And right now we're, we're in the thick of it. And I'm sure that if we went back 19 years to, you know, September 11, 2001, there's a lot of people who are saying that the theme park industry would never recover because the impact of it immediately was, was you know, horrifically bad. Um, but I think that we, they, we will come back. And the degree to which each company in this space has to do great work is going to be largely dependent upon other people who are trying to outdo them. And I think the best thing that ever happened to Disney if you're a fan is universal and the best thing that ever happened to universal is that they decided to set up shop, you know, right down the street from Disney. So is a new entrant into the market. Good? Universal yes. was that, uh, was that Disney uh, effed up Harry Potter. Yeah. And- <laughs> agreed. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. but, but that too is a, you know, you introduce that as a, as a counter example, but it really is. It's if there were only one choice for Harry Potter, we would have gotten a horrible implementation of it. It was because there was, um, you know, multiple choice that we got what we did. And that's, that's always going to be the case. So I definitely think that the, you know, the $200 million attractions are probably, we're going to have to take a hiatus from that. I think, I I don't think the economy is going to support that for the next few years. At least newly announced ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is just going to slow things down, but in, in the, grand scheme of the arrow of time, this will be a blip on the radar and, and things will ultimately get better. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm so glad for that competition and the, and the more, the merrier, the more, the more participants there are in this market, the better everyone's products are going to have to be to gain the market share, um, that they all crave. I think the, 
additional reason why the competition breeds more quality attractions, uh, especially looking at Harry Potter, is that it, it's rare that whatever intellectual property they're trying to buy and trying to put in the theme parks has more leverage than the the buyer in this case. Yeah. Um, so J.K. Rowling was able to hold them to a higher standard than I think Disney or Universal were previously holding themselves to. But yep. Anyway, uh, next question comes to us from Taco Man nine forty five. Uh, That's there are my guy. Nine, there are nine hundred forty four other Taco Men who did not email us. <laughs> so <laughs> I love Taco Man. Yeah. Um, are buffets as we know them to be a thing of the past when parks reopen? Thanks for the probably. Episodes. Yeah. I think they got to switch to family uh, family style dining. That's probably the better approach. Yeah. Um, At so, twice the price. I mean, I I I was sitting with Heather the other night watching TV, and I was thinking, you know, KFC's slogan has always been "finger looking good," and I decided to Google to see if they had made any comments about that, and it I found <laughs> immediately found an article saying they suspended that slogan. So yeah. You know, and, and, and somewhat contrasting what I just said, I do think the world will be different after this. Uh, and maybe that's for the better. I mean, the fact is communicable diseases have existed long before this and they will yeah. exist long after this. There probably are some things that we do that are not the best in terms of, uh, you know, avoiding cross-contamination of things. So are buffets probably on the hit list of things that are going to go away after this? I, I would suspect that they probably are. What buffet would you be heartbroken over that they got rid of, though? None. Like, I think I think this is an easy no-brainer I mean, decision. I mean, at Disney property, Cape May is probably the 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 venue that's going to have to have a dramatic transformation in its value prop. Chef Mickey's is a big one. Uh, I, but see, I don't that, think that's any they, good. I would avoid no that sense. anyway. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's wildly popular, and it's got a ton of kids. So yeah. you can you can turn that into the family style dining yeah. easily. And you still get that same experience. Like Boma is I'm a talk- tough one to swap out. Yeah, Boma would be a little rough. Certainly better than Cape May. Or certainly better than Chef Mickey's. Um, Crystal Palace is a tough one to uh, swap out as well. I think I think that's another one, though, that, yeah, you if shoot, if anything, you take out the buff area, you add more tables, and yeah. you, you've, you've... That probably makes gonna, revenue goes up, goes, go yeah. up, if anything. I mean, the and thing just, is, if worldwide buffets go away, then not having one is, is not a competitive disadvantage. Yeah. Right? I think that, honestly, let's say they keep it, just inexplicably. Let's ignore the the rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. Would that be your choice if you want a property, you know, when things open back up? What I, if you I just think- put signs on the sneeze guard that says, don't lick? <laughs> <laughs> what, if every, what if everybody That's got their choice. own What if everybody got their own scooper spatula when they walked in the door? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they just tape little fucking tongs to your hand when you walk in. <laughs> <laughs> click, click, click. Uh, people would probably steal them like the spoons in uh, <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be all our I, scoops go. I strongly suspect that before within the next month, I think we're probably going to be dropping an episode about what we anticipate the reopening to look like. So this yeah. is a topic that we can probably circle back on and go in more detail on then. Don't worry about buffets. It's the meet and greets that are gone. Yep, they're, they're up charges now. That was the uh, that was the latest fake Toby VW magic rumor somebody posted over there. Um, all right, this one comes to us from amateur antagonizer, Mister Monkey. Can, do you think there'll be characters in Disney properties that are actually in a bubble, like in the IP? Like, will that be a thing? Like, where? Well, do, do, do you? And I, I started this as a joke, but now I'm serious. Do you think within <laughs> the next five years we will see a 
Disney film release where the characters are wearing masks <laughs> or gloves. And I'm being 100% serious. Is this is the corona thing going to pervade art in a way to where it becomes memorialized well, for all time? have a Doc McStuffins meet and that's it. If this is a blip on our radar, like you said a minute ago, I hope not, because that's going to be the one animated movie that's going to stand out like a sore thumb that... Remember that one time? Like that Song the of the South. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like do you define blip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the one movie where all the princesses wore masks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I, 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 let me ask a different question. Doesn't if Mulan you, wear a mask in the live-action remake? Isn't that like part of her disguising herself? I think there's a, a 0% chance that if you're a filmmaker that you're not creating that work right now. Yeah. yeah. There, there's got to be someone who's doing it, right? Sure. There's there's a 0% chance that no one right now is trying to create the feature well, film about, about this. Counter argument, though. None of the Starbucks are allowing people to sit in there. So who's That's true. Films? Where's the work being done? <laughs> <laughs> is there quarantine porn yet? Oh, I'm sure. Yes. The Pornhub logo. Well, I mean, allegedly, based on rumor. <laughs> that was a test, Josh. You failed. <laughs> Damn. I don't know. Well, good night. Utilidors.com to us for savings. I, oh, I, God. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> uh. Anyway, moving on. Uh, professional antagonizer, sorry, amateur antagonizer, Mr. Monkey. Uh, Mr. Why, Monkey. With, it's a good why name. were none of you on the roast of Tom Corliss? Uh, That's Corliss a good question. One zero, uh, not not a uh, two. Like, Corliss. <laughs> well, uh, he, he didn't specify friends only. Um, Josh, <laughs> I'd like to think that we are. I, I will say this: we are much closer to being in that category now than we were two weeks ago. It did seem to be people that worked for him. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, uh, yeah it was. It was. Which is probably smart. So I'll play, I'll play the devil's advocate here. The devil being Tom. Um, <laughs> the purpose of that event was to gain traffic for his site, right? Yep. And ha- as people who've been on that show, we know they want it to be family friendly. They made lots of comments throughout that thing. I watched part of it, not the whole thing, that you know they wanted to keep it clean. Um that was a controlled environment thing. Yeah. It was extremely highly produced. And we, at this point are at best wild cards and probably oh, yeah. personas non grata. So yeah. that, that is why, why? Cause so to answer his, I, I think the question was tongue in cheek, yeah. you know, oh, it absolutely was. you know, which is fine. But the, the actual answer, just in case is we can't be trusted and, and rightfully so. Would I be a good person to have on that? For what his objective is? No. Probably not. <laughs> no. I, I can assure you not. I'm I cannot dis- be trusted. I'm a little disappointed you didn't get flamed more uh, for our interview and the way you conducted yourself on it in the Kingdom Cast group. What do you there mean? Su- I figured they would murder you for not calling that guy out and, and bashing him for the entire time we were on with him. Okay. So, I was, first of all, I did catch some heat from it. Some of some of which was from my close friends, you know, Ron and, and others that are, you know, on Kingdom Cast. But, but the fact of the matter is this, and I've said it several places before, I think I might have even said it on the show. When you walk up to a person, you say, hey, I have a beef with you because of this. And they're like, yeah, that's true. What the fuck do you say? <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole motive force behind an argument is the person that you're arguing with is, is posting some opposition to your point. When they acknowledge it and say, look, the, the reality of it is in order for me to do what I want to do, that's what I have to do. 
There's just not a lot of whole, there's not a whole lot of room left to argue. And quite frankly, when someone acknowledges the issues that I have with them, um, you know, and owns it, that to me is a basis for respect. So as far as I'm concerned, that guy, his stock in my book went up dramatically. If that makes me a sellout, then fine. But you know, the reason I'm not a sellout is because I say what I actually believe. And I'm not going to pretend to have a beef with someone when I don't, um, because that is crap. Yeah. And I, I, I felt that the guy was a gentleman. He had us on his show, despite the fact that he had a very reasonable basis to believe that we were going to be confrontational. Uh, he responded, you know, honestly, he wasn't elusive. He was transparent. So I have no issues with the guy now. And, um, you know, I thought the guy handled himself like a class act. That's all there is to it. If, if you want to, if you have an issue with me because of that, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but my and- opinion of that guy changed and, and to be clear, the impression I had of him before was as a stranger that I had never said one word to. I had no interaction with him at all. So the only experience I've had with him was that one event. So is it possible that he played me? Maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't have a long-term basis of experience with the guy. But the only actual personal interaction I've had with him was that. And based on that, I can't say anything bad about him. So that, it is what it is. To that point, we also didn't necessarily have the inside baseball ammo that pretty much everyone that was on there did have. They worked with him. Yeah. Um, yes, we could call out stuff that he did publicly and, and, and do that, which is often what happens in a roast. But while Tom is a public figure in the Disney community, it's still very niche and what is available for public information for him would require a bit of digestion and a bit of research on our end, which we probably weren't willing to do. Yeah. I mean, um, if we were going to do a roast of any of right us, call. it wouldn't be funny to anyone who'd never heard us. Right. Exactly. So like we were, uh, I watched the entire thing and there were plenty of jokes that uh, I didn't understand because I didn't know the players. I, the only right. person that was on that, uh, that I knew um, that I'd ever spoken with was Tom. Uh, and I knew of a couple of other people just because I've uh, read stuff that they've written on his site. But um, the the way that a roast works, and, and uh, I'm sure that all of our listeners know this, is you generally don't just hit on the target of the roast. You're hitting on everybody. Yeah. We wouldn't have had any ammo for any of the other people on there. Right. Um, so anyway. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know any other people if you dropped them into me. I, I, did, uh, I did throw a joke at him, which Tom did like. Uh, Refusing to ride an attraction with other guests was just you being ahead of the curve and social distancing. You do you. So, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, anyway, why don't we move are on? You, you're, not, you're still not blocked by them, right? You guys are still... So far, no, no. Damn. <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way. I, when you look at how internet interactions typically happen, Tom was... I mean, you had... This is potentially a bad choice I'm about to make right now. But you, you have a personal relationship with the other e-ticket host, right? Yep. And, and, and human reaction is hard. <laughs> and sometimes you have problems where things don't go well and you have fallouts yeah. and, you know, it breaks down. Yeah. You know, Tom, in, in my, as, a, as an outsider who doesn't really know the nuances of your relationship with Chris or Derek, yeah. it seemed like 
it would be almost easier to fix a problem with Tom than with those guys, because at least Tom was yeah. willing to sit there and, and say, you know, what's the deal? You know, <laughs> you've got to be able to have that communication in order to fix any disagreements. And if you spend a significant amount of time with anyone, I don't care if they're your, your soulmate, you're going to have disagreements with them. So if, if your interpersonal relationships with Are any given fighting? person is dependent upon never disagreeing <laughs> with them. Then it has a then it's just a matter of how long the fuse is. It's gonna eventually blow up. The if only you want way me to any like relation- you, just do what Josh did and say that I was right and he was wrong. That's how you do it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have said that if I didn't believe it. There's certainly been times <laughs> we've argued where I thought that I was right and you were wrong. And the thing is, my view on life Name is seven. That- <laughs> if I had a bell right now, I'd ring it. <laughs> I think that we all become better by surrounding ourselves with people that don't always agree with us. You know, if you're willing to learn and be wrong, then. Isn't it great that we're all just better people? Shut up, yeah. stupid. Better <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, I, I have nothing more. From the Melson Moore Adam, which apparently is a podcast. Oh, that's <laughs> insulting. It, listen for, to it, it's great. Apologize uh, <laughs> for that condescending statement. Of it. I've never heard ass. it either. There's probably got three <laughs> listeners, but. Uh, they so do we. 10,000 times the listenership that we do. So, um, better show, Festival of the Lion King or Finding Nemo the Musical? Josh, they both suck. Your favorites. Yeah. Um, so Josh's opinion on this doesn't count. Ben, what's your No, I, I have nothing to say. Uh, Festival of Lion King because it's shorter, right? No, Festival of the Lion King is a substantially better show. I, yeah, I, Festival I, of the Lion I like King is one of my favorite shows. I, I always get excited to see Finding Nemo until we're about halfway through, and then I'm looking at my watch going, is this over yet? Uh, I, I like Festival of Lion King quite a bit, actually. Uh, and they did, they, you know, over the years, they have slimmed it down, made it a little bit tighter. Uh, it, it's much shorter than what it was when it first first opened, but, uh, you know. Really? really? I, don't think, I don't think Festival of Lion King has changed much at all, other than moving from, like, a $250,000 facility into a much better facility that has air conditioning. You want to make Ohana bet? Let's make Ohana bet. I don't know. <laughs> if anything if anything has has been pulled from it, uh, I don't think it was a significant cut because it's generally, what, like a 25 to 30 minute show. Um, yeah, I don't, what are you thinking has been Let's, a cut? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do some research and make an Ohana bet on it. That okay. will never pay off. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, no, but moving it, restaurants, remember? <laughs> uh, the, the, the one major, major upside of though is the new theater, you know, they, they did the good thing of closing it in before getting the air right. conditioning in there, putting in the new theater now it has a much, much nicer setting. Uh, I, I enjoy that show much more than I do Nemo. Now Nemo, uh, was great. I thought when it first opened and it's just for, for me just doesn't have that return value. I, I, we, we completely skipped it on our last trip and, uh, had no qualms about it. I mean, I remember even talking to the girls. It's like, we can go ride Everest a couple times or we can go uh, watch Finding Nemo. And they were both like, let's go ride Everest. So uh, it might just be because they're at that age where shows aren't as appealing to them. Uh, but also, if it was an outstanding show, they would have they would have fought more to go see. I mean, they still want to see Beauty and the Beast every time we're in Hollywood Studios. So uh, they're, they're not... Familiar, uh, familiar music helps. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And I, I thought they did a good job adding the music that they did in there, but uh, you know, turning that into a musical when it wasn't originally. But right. still going back to The Lion King, you have the great music. You have the great acts. The Tumble Monkeys, I think, are a blast to watch. Uh, fire Twirler. Yep, Fire Twirler is great. Uh, the interactiveness of the crowd actually getting into it and having a role in the show, uh, as minor as it might be, is fun. So, yeah, give me The Lion King. The... Uh I've probably seen Festival of the Lion King 50 times, and that's not exaggeration. 
Uh, definitely my favorite current Disney show. It would rival the Aladdin show over at DCA uh, that went away a few years ago. Um, one thing that I do like to uh, pay attention to during Festival of the Lion King is pay attention to Timon, the Tumble Monkeys, and the Fire Twirler when they're not center stage because usually they are entertaining. Um, the the Fire Twirler has one skill and one skill only. It is not dancing. It is twirling fire, uh, and he is often asked to dance, so that in itself is amusing. Uh, and the Tumble Monkeys are rarely doing what they're supposed to be doing. When Can they twirl stage. fire? Uh, probably once. <laughs> I, I will i will send you a uh, i'll send you a video uh that we can put in the show notes but uh with my job my real life job uh we have a connection with the university of oklahoma so we do a lot of work with them up there and they have a very successful uh gymnastics program uh okay. men's and women's and the tumble monkeys are actually a destination spot for a lot of the men uh oh, gymnasts sure, yeah. that after they graduate there's a they're basically a pipeline from oklahoma to uh the work program out there and becoming a, a tumble monkey so a few years ago we did a feature on uh uh, on on that connection, and uh, I'll dig that up and, and send it over to you that we can put in the show notes. It's really, really interesting to see. Um, I'm assuming you guys are Seinfeld fans, so uh, Josh, this is going to be your opportunity to sell to yell witness uh, to a bet that Ben and I are going to make. Okay. Um, and I want to get terms out there that are as specific as possible. Uh, ben, uh, you and I are going to look for footage of the Lion King from 1998. And we need to set up like a, a minute amount of like what has potentially been cut. So maybe like four minutes or something like that. If four yep. minutes has been cut, then uh, then I lose. If if less than four minutes have been cut, then I win. Does that work? Sure. Because well, I'm never. I'm, I, I'm, I know how your bet payoffs go. I'm never paying. You're not even going to so make yes. a counter offer. What kind of negotiator are you? <laughs> give me give me three minutes. Just see what you want, asshole. Let's put the difference. Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Tim's like, so Josh, I want you to be neutral, but mainly for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, you re- refresh my memory here. You might know right off the top of the bat. When, when you walk in the theater, I can't. Top of the I, bat. I don't think that's top, a turn of phrase. Top, is it? Just let him go. Top let me bat. do this. That's <laughs> the top of the bat. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the four corners with the, with the platforms where the uh, characters, Simba, the, the, where they're all at. Yep. Marlo and Laura. Are they? Do they push out now, or are they already in there when the, the when the show starts? They push out. Do they push out all the way across, or is it just where they just kind so of move forward? There are two that I have no cross, idea what you guys are talking there, about. There are two that cross in front of where the main stage would be. The main stage also comes out, and as far as I can recall, that is always how it's been because these were original parade floats, I believe, in Disneyland that they repurposed when they needed a entertainment offering very quick to add to the animal kingdom at the opening when they didn't green right. beastly kingdom. Right. So, so okay. That's one thing we'll look at. Be- that, well, and I knew that we're mobile to begin with for some reason. I thought when the last trip and I, again, we'll look at the, we'll do some research here. I find out that they were already part of the theater when you came out. Occasion. If there's okay. like a, maybe a motor brakes or something like that, but that, counts. So that will happen on occasion, <laughs> but it is not regular practice okay well we're we're on for a uh uh that yes yes exactly okay good um <laughs> we'll do one last question and then ben is gonna do his uh, uh worst jungle cruise skip uh, script ever um favorite alcoholic, paul newman impersonation <laughs> favorite alcoholic drink on property 
Also, any recommendations on good breweries near or just off property? Oh, boy. What was the uh, place, that Josh, that we went to? I think it was either after Epcot Forever or after the final Illuminations, where we needed to drink away our sorrows. <sighs> Germany, probably, the, the wine keller. No, this was this is off property. Yeah. Miller's yeah. Ale. <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My memory's not very good due to all the Clearly booze. Clearly, the right people to be asking about this. I have, I mean, I have an easy answer question. for that. For favorite alcoholic <laughs> beverage, I got an easy answer. So. Go for it. Um, Japan Pavilion, there's a sake there called Hana Awaka. It's a sparkling sake. So if you're new to sake, it's really good. Uh, if you've had a lot of sake, it's also good. Um, Hana mina flower, awaka mina bubble, which is what they will tell you. Uh, back in the day, there was actually a Japanese, uh, you know, one of the, you know, I, I don't know if she, I don't think she was a CP girl. I think she was part of the, what do they call the program where they bring people from other countries? International. Yeah, yeah, international program. Her name was Saki, and she worked at the Saki bar, which is just great. It's on brand. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, so Hanawaka Saki, get that. It's 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 really, really good. It's it's super light and dry and refreshing. It just sort of evaporates off your tongue. It tastes really good. Um, and amazingly, and, and this is one of the few times I can ever say this about anything at a Walt Disney World property, it is about half the price there as it is anywhere else in the world that you can get it. And I've done a lot of research to confirm this. I actually bought a case of it for my wife Doesn't that happen with for Christmas. A lot of places in World Showcase? Like well, if you're buying- yeah, booze at World Showcase is cheap, and, and I, it's inexplicable. I can't. I don't know if it's, it's like if it's sealed, a duty sealed booze though. I, I don't know if it's a duty free thing. I have no idea what the mechanism behind this, but yeah, actually buying bottles of alcohol uh, at World Showcase is generally much cheaper than you can get it anywhere else, which is certainly you know an, an aberration in terms of pricing it on Disney property. But yep. but yeah, but yeah, Hannah Walker, it's in a pink bottle. It's not pink sake, which my you know dearly de- <laughs> Kingdom Cast friends will make fun of me for. It is clear, but the bottle is pink, and it is absolutely fantastic. What's your go-to so, drink, Ben? So I got two ways of answering this. One is current. Uh, you know, I've said Rosen Crown about a thousand times on this uh, podcast. I love the snake bite over at the Rosen Crown, uh, half cider, half harp ale. Uh, just refreshing. It's one of those drinks, especially if you travel during the hot summer months, uh, that just hits the spot perfect. And now over in Germany, they have a, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but a Schaffenhofer. It's a grapefruit beer that they have on tap out there that is fantastic. Uh, again, another just refreshing beer that, that you can grab and walk around. It's not too heavy that uh, is going to bog you down on those on those hot days. Uh, but back when I worked college program, back when Pleasure Island was going, it was without a doubt the Kungaloosh. It was also the uh, – we would go over – literally the first day of the program, we'd go over to Pleasure Island on the very first cast member night. And over at the Rock and Roll Beach Club, they had these sand buckets that you could buy. It was like $15 for the sand bucket. And then it was like $5 refills after that. So on our very first night, we would buy a sand bucket, get it filled up with Long Island iced tea. It's Essentially, it was four Long Long Island iced teas would fit in one sand bucket. And then for the rest of the summer... We would, we would take those sand buckets home, wash them, and bring them back every single time. And we're just doing $5 Long Island iced teas for the entire <laughs> summer and just getting messed up. So uh, back in the day, without a doubt, Kungaloosh and the Long Island iced teas over at Rock and Roll Beach Club. For you uh, teetotalers out there, I'm a big fan of the Night Blossom at, um, in Pandora. 
Uh, I don't I don't drink. I did try though the uh, the fuzzy tauntaun at Ogus Cantina, and it was unique. Uh, it ha- that's that's the one that I believe has the uh, like the numbing foam on it, and it it accomplishes that. It's it's kind of a weird sensation when you're drinking it. I don't know that you want your mouth to be numb when you're drinking, but um, just for something more unique. But I'm certainly not the guy to be asking about uh, alcoholic beverages. I I would have tried one had my trip not been canceled <laughs> a month ago. Uh, I lied. We did have other questions <sighs> about uh, Epic Universe. Um, so we kind of addressed these. Um, Brer Oswald had this a follow-up to do an armchair Imagineering about uh, Nintendo World, which we did in episode 11. Uh, then we have Justin Storm, overall thoughts on Epic Universe. How That's not a real name. <laughs> uh, he is either a weatherman or a porn star with... Justin uh, Storm! <laughs> ...with Bruce. Um, how long do you think it'll be uh, pushed back? Also, thoughts on the patent plans filed by Universal for a gondola system. Um, I think a gondola makes a ton of sense for them to uh, connect the parks, if possible, if they can get the uh, logistics figured out because the parks aren't next to each other. Um, I mean, I it's tit for tat, too. Disney's got one now, so. Right. But uh, Universal would have to go over property that they don't own. It'll yeah, be a bus. That's just it'll a matter a, of money. It'll be a bus system. Their, their bus system is generally better than Disney's. Uh, yep. Granted, it's a smaller area that they need to get to. The sidebar, there's been some pretty fascinating video posted of now that the, the parks are shut down, of people driving through the parking lot showing all the buses parked. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that as someone who is a self-proclaimed ops guy, I never really appreciated how many buses they have. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. when you see them all parked side by side by side, it is incredible. And actually, I went on the Prevost website and looked at what the cost of an average bus is. And I, I, Ron actually sent me the message and said, you know, what do you think that's worth, you know, that fleet? And I, I, it was billions. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an incredible, unbelievable amount of money that they've invested in that. Really sort of reinvigorates my curiosity about why the monorail system hasn't been expanded. But when you consider the average price of a bus and you look at that fleet, anyone who's saying, well, it's a million dollars a mile to expand the monorail, you you immediately go, well, (laughs) that seems like a hell of a deal. I would love, I would absolutely love to know what the rationale is behind, uh, you know, the bus fleet, because clearly when you see it, uh, it it is not a cheap deal. They've, They've invested an incredible amount of money in that. All right, so we're, we're for real done with listener questions now. Uh, we're two hours into the show. Oh, I just Enough got, I of did, you. I just got another one real quick. <laughs> okay, go for if it, you don't mind. Uh, This is from me. Are you guys done with this show yet? No, we are not. <laughs> no, we are oh, not. Okay, sorry. Ben, this is where you shine. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the burp was not it. Uh, we had discussed this for several shows. Ben going through the script and pulling out the worst jokes in the Jungle Cruise script. So uh, looking forward to uh, perhaps heckling Ben as he gives the worst Jungle Cruise script uh, possible. Yeah, and so part of the reason of doing this is going back to our conversation of like, what jokes are from the script, how many people go off script, things like that. Well, the, the, yeah. kind of, the point of doing this is to hopefully show appreciation to those skippers who do uh, – test the boundaries a little bit, push the envelope and, uh, you know, say some of those jokes that aren't, aren't approved because if they stuck to only approved jokes, you could get a terrible jungle cruise. Like the one I'm about to read from you for you. Uh, (laughs) all of these jokes are from the script that I was giving during my training. Uh, we'll just kind of, uh, start at load and I got a couple there and then we'll move the, the attraction as if we were going on it. 
I usually and, like to finish with load. Yeah, God. <laughs> and see what uh, I did there. I did. I see. I did. And uh, yeah, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it uh, my so way. Hot. We're gonna do it my way. Okay. With a beer. Hey, tough guy. <laughs> That's a Fanta. <sighs> it's not a Fanta. <laughs> it is a nowhere but Texas ale from Legal Draft Brewing. Let's go. <clears throat> All right, so you guys on the boat? Son. You guys yep, getting on? on the boat. All right, I'm on the boat. Come on in. Fill in the center cushion. It's the best seat in the house. Too bad this is a boat. Ooh. Mm. Jo- hey, sir, Josh, in the back. Sure, go ahead and sit in that doorway, sir. It keeps the animals out and the humans in. Okay. Dear Disney. <laughs> And you've heard some of these jokes before because there's not a lot of options in some of the areas. So Should I have Derek's bell for this? Yes. Uh, Ding! Where's guest services? <laughs> Welcome, crew. My name is Ben. I'll be your skipper, alligator wrestler, and swimming instructor today, or for the next two and a half weeks, on a cruise that could only happen in the Magic Kingdom. We're going to travel across three continents and down four of the greatest rivers in the world. Turn the page. Not really a joke, but... Yes. Before we Exposition. begin... Before we begin, I love, I love jokes without punchlines. <laughs> it's a bold strategy. You guys gonna heckle me this whole trip or what? Come yep, on, we are. yes, <laughs> that is you're, you've got on. Before we begin, let me take a little poll. How many here are from out of the country, out of state, out of their minds? If you're going into the jungle with me, you must be. By the way, taking a little poll is what Ben was known for in college. <laughs> now that's a joke. <laughs> For people that were asking for the R version, we're working on that simultaneously. <laughs> Let's begin our first adventure, a trip deep I into the like danger. I that Ben is the person who decided that he wanted feedback on this. <laughs> I have no apologies. Hate you both. <laughs> Let's begin our first adventure, a trip deep into the endangered rainforest of South America, on the river they call the Jungle Sea, the Amazon, the mightiest river in the world. Everything about the Amazon is larger than life. Take a look at those giant butterflies. Their wingspans can measure up to a foot across. Not even the 12 inches to a foot. <laughs> that's, that's off script. That's how it was written. <laughs> the best part is the delay. <laughs> and the silence. That's, that's me taking a drink and turning the page. <clears throat> the Amazon carries four times as much water as any other river. A lot of it comes from waterfalls like these. Okay, killer. This is called Inspiration Falls. It's called Inspiration Falls because legend has it that if you listen carefully, you can hear the falls singing to you, inspiring you to go deeper and deeper into the jungle. Cup ear to hand to listen to the falls as if you're hearing something. I don't think you're actually supposed to okay, read also, that. Oh, I'm not sure. Seventy percent sure. That's, that's stage direction. Sixty-two percent sure. That's why I never, I never got any laughs when I read that. I, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> actually, you probably would get laughs if you read it. <laughs> you probably. As we round the bend, we not only change rivers but continents. Now we're on the Congo River, the deepest, darkest part of Central Africa. The Congo River has been described as a giant snake stretching across the African continent with its tail in the jungle and its head in the sea. I wonder why why are those war canoes are abandoned? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that that the, might the explain. Page, the audible page chart is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
just heard Ben slap it with that. If if like a skipper did this with the script in hand, right? (laughs) Like literally reading it, underlining as he goes. Yes, back to me. Funniest thing Ben's ever said. <laughs> Whoa! This might explain it. Up on the left is a giant python. They can grow to a <clears throat> they can grow to be twenty-four feet long and can swallow children whole. Dun dun dun. If you don't mind, we're gonna stop by my camp and pick up a few things. And oh no, we gotta look at that. I've got some uninvited house guests. Hey you guys, get out of there. Oops. Look out. Junior's armed and dangerous. Guys, do anything you want. When you're as strong as ten men, you give breaking camp a whole new meaning. Wow. That's bad. My favorite joke in this, and I, I don't hear it all that often, is, ooh, look, a monkey with a gun. Let's get closer. <laughs> it's funny. You wanna get up here you wanna get up here and drive the boat, Tim? I can sit down and let <laughs> As we leave the Congo, we're on to another famous African river, the longest in the world, the Nile. It's over 4,000 miles long. Look up ahead, an African Statement elephant. Of fact, you're reading Wikipedia at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can tell that's an African elephant by its large floppy ears. He must have heard something. Those ears can pick up sounds over two miles away. Everybody, wave, and maybe he'll say hi. Everybody wave. I'm waving. Again. Still waving. Okay, that's in the script. Here's a statement of fact. Ha 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 ha. We need the robot voice. (laughs) 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 When elephants. (laughs) Great, now I'm going to be. We're switching to Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) Is Gary on the show? Gary's got to file a trademark (laughs) infringement claim against us. When elephants trample through the jungle, they make paths for other animals can follow, like the ones up ahead on the African veldt. This is where zebras, wildebeests, impalas, and giraffes come to the Nile for water. But not all of them will return to their herds. That pride of lions up on the rocks will see to that. This illustrates a basic law of the jungle, survival of the fittest. Don't be a zebra. Even They're though, delicious. so this this I found very confusing. I don't know where the transition point, but there's no smooth transition point between the uh, survival of the fittest joke into the uh, uh, rhino around and the totem pole around the corner. So I think that one right off the bat, when we talk about jokes that were, uh, you know, off script, that's one that you actually learn during during uh, training because there's the script here gives no smooth transition, as you'll tell, because the next joke is. Even though a rhino weighs two and a half tons, he can still run as fast as a horse. Talk about a native uprising. That's a pretty upwardly upwardly mobile group. I have a theory. No transition. I have a theory. All of these jokes were written for when a bitch drops her sunglasses into the fucking river. (laughs) (laughs) No, I will not get your sunglasses for you. (laughs) All right, so uh, here we go. You can see danger lurks around every bend in the jungle, especially here in the crocodile country. It's a good thing you've got a brave skipper on board. Grave? Brave. Grave? (laughs) And that's when I point to somebody to stand up and take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's actually funny. Uh, Did you ever do that one? Of the ones you've read, have you actually done any of them? Uh, 
of the ones I've said so far? Yeah. No. Yeah. Probably <laughs> I, did, I did. A, I did a kind of a version of Inspiration Falls joke. There's a. There's another one that's similar to it. But yeah, none of none of these are. Uh, really what I did at all. Uh, but if I don't point to a skipper to stand up, I can then say we're entering, entering crocodile country and you can see a da- as <clears throat> you can see danger lurks around every bend in the jungle. So keep your favorite family members inside the boat. Those made to be ominous like pirates. <laughs> you know, crocodiles are different from alligators. They have a longer and more pointed jaws. I'll show you, sir. Would you stick out your hand and get us a bite pattern? <laughs> that's, that's funny. funny yeah probably can't do that one anymore in like 1954 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> the future unfolded unfortunately when, for that when joke it, when Henny Youngman was a jungle skipper <laughs> if you name the kid by name that might be funny you know oh god <laughs> what is wrong with you stick Lots. your stick your hand out get a bite pattern and, and a statue <laughs> 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 okay, I made myself. I'm not laugh. a part of the show anymore. <laughs> okay, let me have wow. another. another when it comes of- to being bait, you're the master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I nearly, I nearly spit my beer all over my computer. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, we have a seating we- in hell party of three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the buffets are going to go. Ben's buying. <laughs> okay, here we Do go. I have Hanoa. Uh, 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 <clears throat> here we go. Uh, Back yeah. to a regularly scheduled program. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Mwah. You know, crocs are just like one of the dangers in. Ju- Wait, that's right. Yeah, you know, crocs are just one of the dangers in the jungle. You also have to look out for others like monsoons and rapids and waterfalls. Oh no, I'm sorry about this. This could be a real bath. I don't know if we're going to make it. You'd better lean into the back. Look out. Lean in. Hmm. How do you think that got in? I don't know. I don't know how half these got in. Do you know any skipper that used any of these? Uh, So I did a variation of that one a little bit that would point out somebody. I'd say yell at them to lean in, and then I'd scold them if they didn't lean in at the very end. So uh, that was close, but we made it. That man in the back didn't move a muscle, obviously paralyzed with fear. Oh, oh no. You point to a guy in a wheelchair. a similar joke to that on um, <laughs> the, the uh, Disney Dream Job. The, uh, like, paralyzed with fear. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the context, but I remember saying paralyzed with fear because I had, like, a statue of a squirrel and I was giving it to him. Look at Stephen Hawking's on board. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong, anyway. Pussy? <laughs> oh, we're gonna Maybe die. I'll share that video. Uh, <laughs> we are the worst podcast ever. Oh, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> okay. Great success. <laughs> Great success. <laughs> I like <laughs> my wife. I'm a paralyzed with fear. <laughs> Your legs are not work. Oh no! Plane crash. <laughs> that can only mean one thing in these parts: hippos. I actually like that joke. I love that joke. I think that's actually good. Non sequiturs are almost always funny. Yeah. Yep. Folks, there's no denying it. If a hippo because can take down a plane in midair, they can certainly be- undeniably capsize a boat like this. Go ahead, Josh. I don't Josh. hear that joke that often, and I think people just don't get that it's a non sequitur. I think yeah. people yeah. are like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. That's not funny. Oh, wait. 
Non sequiturs yeah. are always funny because gumballs don't have bones. Makes sense. I, uh, <laughs> damn you. <laughs> the off script uh, joke that you hear all the time here is the, that's how I got my job in the jungle. Uh, so I got what? How I got my job in the jungle and I took a crash course, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I, that's a good I, joke. I always love this one though with the hippos, and then I would say uh, if a if a plane can, if hippos can take down a plane like that, it can surely capsize a capsize a boat like ours. So yeah, along the lines that I always like that. So all right, so now we're heading to the hippo pool. Turn page. I just my favorite part is the sound of the page turning, but then like wax it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, have no fear. I've been trained to handle these types of crises. Mommy. <laughs> that's, that's funny your, that's in there again if you're selling some of these yes they're they're awful but if you're selling them recognizing that they're awful you probably get some laughs that one's yeah. good now i'll tell you what that would be funny if you had a guy that was like a built like a brick shit house, like a like you know a college <laughs> i know that was funny like a, you know a college football like a guy that was really muscular like you know playing that role that would be funny yeah but ben doing it not so much hey <laughs> Something tells me we're not out of these woods yet. Shh, everybody stay quiet. They like to attack from this hill on the right. It's an ambush. They're over on the left. Everybody down, everybody down. Don't worry about looking stupid. I'm doing that for you. I did that one. That was that was part of my routine. That's pretty rough. It's a physical joke. You got to you got to make yourself look like a moron during it. Like a what? Moron. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Whoa, up ahead. The falls again. It's the only way out. Watch out on the sides and the top. It's going to be a tight fit. Hang on. Nobody's ever said it like that, ever. Yeah, that was not ideal. For those of you who have never seen the backside of water, here it is. Actually, it looks very much like the water from the front. Nothing to get excited about. How I think un- that one's okay. Yeah, it's just you know, that you, the way it's written, you have to underplay that, and I like it when they build it up and oversell it. I don't know so the under the underplay doesn't work for me. That's something that clearly evolved though, because and like any comedian that is doing uh, like going to open mics, just going to to refine a set, will find a delivery where they have the concept of the joke down. They just got to find a way to deliver it, and yep. I think that's evolved for the better. That's one of those things where, like, the nuances of language is a huge deal. Oh, absolutely. Like, you just want to sort of tickle people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't explain why it works, but it does. Yeah. So, you know, you always hear, like, the eighth wonder of the world and things like that, the, the oversell. The only line in the, in the actual script that kind of sells it up is, now there's a rare sight, something few people ever get to see, the backside of water. That's the mm-hmm. only, like, excited version of it. And I think we've all been on it where everybody's, you know, like a carnival barker overselling how amazing this thing is that you're about to see. So right. the the other jokes about the backside of water very much just undersell how un, you know unimpressive it actually is. Uh it that's that are in the actual script. Right. right. All right, move it on. It, it, it actually is fascinating to uh, and this is super nerdy but just thinking about what it is for something to be funny. Yeah. You know there's it, it it takes it takes relatively little to tweak on these things to make some of the the worst ones really funny and some of the ones that are really good if you deliver them slightly wrong they're not funny at all. Right. See I I always got a personal inter, inter, entertainment out of like making the guests do something stupid 
Especially, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just as simple as like making them look in a certain direction and something not be in there. Uh, and so, how do you pick the person? Do you like do you well, are you this, scouting this, them out or do you do it randomly? Uh, you scout, especially if there's jokes lined up for specific reasons, you would uh, pick them out as they're getting on. Or for instances where you don't necessarily have to have a certain look or certain clothing or certain something to make a joke pay off. Uh, what I would do is if somebody's actually like laughing and having a good time at the, like the mm-hmm. first half of the boat ride, they're the ones that will get my attention at the, at yeah. the last half because I know I'll get a reaction out of them. But That's like smart. on the backside of water, I would always do, you know, oversell it's the backside of water and we'd go past it. And then before we got to the temple and as we got past the water fountain, I would do it again. I'd go, everybody look, if you've ever seen it before, it's the side view of water. And I'd point <laughs> back at it just to get everybody in the boat to turn their head and look away from me stupid dumb but it made me laugh on the inside because i I, at that point you know (laughs) that goes right back to what i said like i think if you're having fun they're having fun yep yep so uh so okay back at it whoa that was a close call you can all breathe now then i'm supposed to look puzzled wait a minute we're on a different river now in fact it's a different continent we're on the Mekong yeah. River of Southeast Asia, deep in the heart of Cambodia, and up there, up ahead is a sacred that was temple. A very lazy transitions, <laughs> but I almost feel like that's the funniest way to do it because the whole premise that you're jumping continents is ridiculous anyway. So <laughs> yeah. why not be absurd in how you do it? See, uh, up ahead is a sacred temple of the Khmer Empire. The Khmer that Empire. Would work if you look at your watch, true. <laughs> <laughs> why does that make sense? Sorry, I'm not sorry. The Khmer, <laughs> the Khmer Empire actually ruled most of Southeast Asia for seven centuries and built entire cities of temples just like this one. Oh, boy. Now I know why they didn't list drink on... <laughs> they didn't list... <laughs> well, <laughs> Ben's now, fired. I know, why we, I know why we weren't allowed to drink on the jungle now. <laughs> I'm going to be burping half the time. It looks like... Body, ben? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's been an earthquake here lately. This is a new entrance. What do you think? Should we go in? Good. Sure. Because we don't have a choice. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, you asked for it. Oh, and did I happen to mention that no one has ever come out of here alive? How would you know that? I know. Right. And then this is as you go past the second group of monkeys as you're exiting the temple. Imagine a civilization that built something like this and then disappeared. Disappear. Disappear. Again, a, a joke that nobody has ever heard on that ride. Nobody's ever said that. Also not a joke. <coughs> True. <laughs> Skip that line. Entering the elephant bathing pool. A joke's hey, so look. funny that's not even a joke. <laughs> hey, look what we found. The secret bathing pool, the Indian elephant. It's okay to stare. They have their trunks on. That one I that's think you hear most, most rides. Yeah, Rip. and it's okay. It's a cute, basic, if you're six joke. Yeah. Rem- remember those African elephants we saw earlier? These are their cousins. They have smaller ears and smoother trunks. Look at the big shot over there, the one with the private shower. Here are some little squirts down in front. Are they sleeping cousins? So this is where two of my favorite jokes are. No. One of my two favorite jokes, I'll give you one of them now, is right as you're exiting the temple. When no, you, you won't. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm going to do it. It's off script. Maybe. My two, two favorite off script ones. Okay. Uh, so you exit the temple and you look, hey, we're in the secret bathing pool of the Indian elephant. And right as you exit the temple on the left-hand side, there's a alligator, a baby alligator and a baby elephant that are kind of going back and forth with each other, kind of face-to-face, 
playing. It looks like they're playing. So my yeah. joke, my joke was always, "Hey, look at that! It's a baby alligator and a baby elephant playing with each other. That's something you don't see every day, but I do. Every seven yeah. and a half minutes. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that works. I think it's <laughs> a, you're, and you, you're kind of breaking the fourth wall. <clears throat> you follow it up with kids stay in school. You know, something yeah. along those lines. But that, I, I always enjoyed giving that joke, and it got a usually got a much better reaction than the two you two jackasses just gave me. Those are definitely words. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, and so we're at the squeeze play. Whoops. Looks like we might get a shower on our own. He's going back under. Let's get out of here. Look out. He brought along a friend. It's the old elephant squeeze play. What's the squeeze play? Can you help me refresh so the, my recollection? The, the first elephant comes up and he's squirting water. Okay. And he goes back down, and you try to throttle past him. But as you kind of turn, the other elephant is around the corner, and it's squirting water as well. He yeah, goes yeah. back down, comes back up to squirt, and there's no water there. Gotcha. So when he goes back up with the uh, water like he's about to shoot on the second time, look out in the back. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Look out up front. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just kidding, folks. Guess he forgot to pack this trunk. That's what we call a little dry humor there. Hmm. <laughs> I never said I pack his trunk is a, uh, is a the effort to pay off ratio there is not good. I never said, <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, on the microphone. Ever. <laughs> you should have. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Everyone oh, yes. I've ever oh, been yes. with has said that in that exact case. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Just kidding. I'll I'm not faking it. This I'll is real. This having. is the best I've ever felt. <laughs> <laughs> well, crew, I hope you enjoyed exploring the rivers, jungles, and rainforests of the world. But you probably saw there are more than just <clears throat> there are more than just exciting places to visit. You've seen this. <clears throat> you've seen that they support all kinds of life on our planet. That's why we have to guard and protect them. Here's somebody who agrees with me. That's Chief Nami, the head man of the jungle. When he sees people harming his river, he has a tendency to lose his head, and so do they. Triple entendre. <clears throat> The chief's also quite a jungle business businessman, but you know, sales have been shrinking lately. So he has a special for this week. Two of his heads for one of yours. Any takers? Think about it. You'll come out ahead on the deal. Hmm. You know, the chief's very proud of the exotic plants in this part of the jungle, and they've really started to grow on me too. So I'd like to point out a few of my favorites right now. Point, point, point. There's that one, <laughs> that one, and that one, and that one. Any questions? I only put that one in here because if you want to ask me what my least favorite joke on the Jungle Cruise is, it's this one. I hate this joke. I actually like it. I hate it. Can I interrupt with some real-time feedback? <clears throat> yep. The guy who died who played the piano that I made fun of and called Finger Bang Kazoo, <laughs> Gary just wrote back, his name was Yeehaw Bob. <laughs> He's not dead. Yeehaw Bob, not dead. <laughs> not dead. <laughs> Dynamite drop in Josh. Bradley not dead? No. <laughs> He's on Gary's Facebook Live every relieved. Sunday. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. <laughs> this is the funny, like, breaking news, guys. I got to confirm. It's Yeehaw Bob. I mean, the guy that I'm watching right now on Facebook. Yes, he's dead. <laughs> I'm telling you, no, I thought he died. <laughs> this show's wow. title, R.I.P. Yeehaw Bob. Just confuse the hell out of people and just make it Yeehaw Bob tribute show. <laughs> hey, God bless Gary for being an hour and 48 minutes and responding to my message. Way to go, buddy. Quick on the text. Contributing to the show as always. He's playing Grand Theft Auto, Oklahoma. 
I wrote back to Carrie and I thought he died, and he responded, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing vids from home the other day. <laughs> All right, well, you know. Oh, God. Oh, here we go. We're in <laughs> the, the most dangerous and terrifying part of our journey, folks. Your return to civilization and my attempt at docking this boat. Did you have fun in the jungle today? Sure. Okay, good. Yes. Poop's turning still the funniest part. <laughs> That's a little three ring binder. Say. So what does Dave Joel stare daggers at you? <laughs> he jumped off the boat mid river already. Say, if you have anybody in your party that gives you trouble today, bring them back at the end of the day. We have a special. Halfway out for half fare. No questions asked. Parents, remember that. Kids, you remember that too. If you don't, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) You you bring them back again. All right. Say, if you have anybody in your party that gives you trouble today, bring them back at the end of the day. We have a special. Halfway for half fare. No questions asked. Parents, remember that. Kids, you remember that too. Gotcha. Yeah, that's not great. If you don't stand up, you'll have to go again. I knew that would get you up. Bye, crew. Be careful. It's a jungle out there. That's it. That's it. That's it. It would work if I, we were allowed to heckle through it. I'll tell you my my daughter's favorite joke that they I've I've told them many of my jokes over the time. They they think it's cool every time uh, we go over there and they want to hear some of the stuff I did. My favorite joke there that they love it, it was at exit where I would say because <clears throat> p- for legal reasons people always try to step over the middle. Uh, cushion and the the middle boxes on the new boats and yep. it's a, it's obviously a safety hazard if they trip over it bust their face whatever so we anytime somebody would start stepping over we had to be quick to get them to stop step you know either pull their foot back or whatever and, and make them go around the back end of the boat so we actually had a joke for that where if we especially if we were like yelled at them to wait 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 stop 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 we could follow up with a joke to make us you know our aggressiveness not seem as aggressive yeah, yeah. right so my joke was always uh as you exit the boat, please don't step over those middle cushions because if you do, it would set off an alarm. And when that alarm sets off, I have to shoot you. Wait, let me get... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's why my alarm will go off and I'll have to shoot you. And everybody kind of looks at you like, shoot me and laugh, whatever, and go. And then I would follow up with a, yeah, you don't believe me? I, I, it happened last week. Somebody stepped over, the alarm went off, I shot them. And I felt really, really bad about it. So I, I decided to go to the hospital to check on them. And I got there, and, and they looked at me from their bed, and they said, Ben, why'd you, why'd you shoot me on the Jungle Cruise? And I said, Mom, you knew the rules. <laughs> I, didn't del- I didn't deliver it there as well as I did back then, but uh, that, that was always one that I like to say at the end if I had to. And, and uh, the girls get a kick out of it today just for the shooting the mom part, which I don't know, I don't know what that says about them. But, so I'm, I'm going to uh, ask the hardest question I'll ever ask you on the show. All right. And it, you may not even be able, you may not even be capable as a human of answering this, but in the spectrum of Jungle Cruise skippers, where would you rate yourself? Because I, I see you as being a pretty personable guy. You're good at this. I imagine you saw people that were terrible. I suspect you also saw people that were probably really, really great at it. So what was the worst? I don't want names, but like in terms of like just comparative skill, what was the worst you ever saw and what was the best and where were you at relative to that? Uh, I saw fantastic skippers that were way better than I was. Uh, I would say I was kind of in the middle of the road. 
Uh, I saw many that didn't care. Oftentimes, those were people who had basically just lost their love for either the jungle or the company. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people not making a lot of money that could, that could happen to them, or a lot of times college program kids who they literally their names were just stuck there and they they didn't really want to do it. You know, they had no passion for it. They they were just yeah. given a job and that was what they were going to do to get a paycheck. Uh, so. And a lot of those just gave the most bare bone, didn't act it out, didn't have fun with it. They didn't care whatsoever. Oh, that sucks. That would really be terrible if you were a guest and you got with <clears throat> yep. someone like that. Yep. I don't think I've ever had that experience. Pretty much. I mean, I've certainly had a range, but and I've yeah. had some truly, truly, truly good ones. Um, you know, but I've never I, had anyone that was like you know markedly terrible. I feel like I never gave a bad cruise. I always gave it my best ability every single time. That doesn't mean it was a great cruise by standards of sure. the best skippers ever, but I feel like I always, no matter how tired right. I was, no matter how long of the day was, no matter how many trips I've been around, I always gave it because it was more fun to give a right energetic cruise than to give a sucky cruise. And in that point, your job sucks and your performance sucks. And there's just, there's no benefit to that. So, uh, but at the same time, I didn't do it very long. So I think the, the more you the more you do it, the longer you've been there, the longer you've been in for, you know, just every iteration of other skippers that they've been around and the other jokes that they've heard, the longer you're there, the better skipper you can be. So I think that's the one thing that knocks me down to middle of the rung is I just didn't have the longevity to really, uh, you know, f- finesse my, you know, my, my spiel and my act. Uh, you know, if you, Ask, if I had been there for two years, maybe even just a year, but two years for sure, I think I would have been a fantastic skipper. Uh, in the same way that I feel like I was one of the, you know, I think I was a fantastic cast member at, at Muppets. Uh, and one thing I think that helped on that was when I came back three years later and the people that were still there, when they saw me the first time and they were so excited that I was back, one, because I was felt that I was fun to be around, and two, I took the job very serious. And they knew they had a hard worker that wasn't going to slack off like a, a lot of the, you know, part-timers or college program kids that, that did that were kind of in the, awesome. the same situation as me. So, uh, and, and again, that was because I spent a long time at Muppets. I know, I know that attraction inside. I could go there today and pick up in a rotation without missing a beat. That's just because that's really it, cool. I think so, that's awesome. So that's kind of my common. Uh-oh. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest. Oh my god! This, that was the fucking best straight man delivery I've ever heard. Tim, don't worry about that. This is maybe the most insane thirty minutes we've ever recorded. Was this is the best seven-hour podcast I've ever been a part of? We're gonna get you through quarantine by recording nonstop for the rest. Of the I have life. more questions, but I'm gonna save them because I think I think there's more meat on these bones. Okay, yeah. let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. And I gotta pee so bad. For I need another beer. What that blip just was. <laughs> When we record this show, uh, there is a recording on Discord, which is what you, we use to to speak with each other, and then we each record local recordings, which is what we end up using. Uh, the Discord recording did not sync correctly. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. the, so the guy just popped in and said it was starting the recording. And yeah. That ben and I were like, uh, so <laughs> we're about like two plus hours in, and really <laughs> I am going to use <laughs> this like last three minutes of podca- uh, podcast <laughs> to sync the three of our audio tracks. So anyway, to state that more simply, the thing that we expect to hear 30 seconds into the <laughs> <Yes>. recording <laughs> came in two and a half hours after we started. So. And that's, that's why Josh and I stopped. We're like, 
Oh crap! What was? Why is that on now? Yeah, yeah. Tim totally fucking plays it straight. Oh, it's fine. Uh, Don't worry about that. Don't worry about Houston, that. We'll start. There's no problem, Houston. We're good. Take it from the top. <laughs> oh, we're never. This is it. This is the last show because we're not gonna get better than this. This is. Uh, okay, guys, good. You to run. This? No, we're we're done. All right. I'm sure Yeehaw Bob is gonna appreciate this one. Uh, I'm so glad that he's alive again. <laughs> up in heaven. Uh, it is uh, around Easter time, so we could have uh, come back three days later. Um, if you have he's any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. We would also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Uh, you can get your toilet paper and sanitizer through our link, and we get a cut. It doesn't cost you anything, but helps fund the show with purchases you were going to make anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RealSkipperBen, and you can find my top ten column in every issue of Attractions Magazine. Josh, same question. Uh, CoronaFreeDisney.com. Have a nice day. <laughs> We've just abandoned the other site. <laughs> well, also utilitors.com, but that one's spelled wrong, so I'm trying to drive the most traffic I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can be found at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter uh, or WDWTheparks.com where I've updated them about three times since uh, the parks have been shut down because there has been no leaks. Alright, that's it for this one. Have a good one, guys. Good night. See you at the crossroads, Yeehaw Bob. Sorry, Bob. The rumors of, it, of his death have been greatly exaggerated. I thought last- he died four years ago. I'm really relieved, though. Great guy. <laughs>